Hello, everybody. This is the Stronghold Podcast, Episode 5. I'm here with the SFC lightweight champion and one of my best friends, Ron Un. What's up, Ron? How are you, Yo, buddy? yo, Luke. Peace among worlds. Peace among worlds. <laughs> Peace among worlds, Rick and Morty style. What's up, dude? We finally got you on the podcast. Yeah, again, thanks again for inviting me. I just have one question to You've ask. You've been pestering me nonstop. Of course, because... Actually, what's your podcast about? What am I doing here? Because uh, fight, fight talk. Oh, you, t- you talk fights now? Okay. Yeah, you think you're some sort of authority in fights, so I figured we'd get you on the podcast. No, I'm just special. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely special. We agree with that. <laughs> By the way, this is going to be one of the most shit-talking podcasts we've done. And uh, unfortunately, we're not going to drink. Ron's doing sober September. september yeah. So uh, no beer this time, but we're going to have to do one sober one and one, one drunk we're gonna one. We're going to do one drunk one. It's going to be wild. It's going to be like fights and uh, shit-talking all the way. Yeah, so I'm excited for this podcast. I think this will be one of the most exciting ones. Definitely full with the most shit-talk. You're wearing the Rick and Morty shirt. We're hey, ready to go. Peace among worlds again. <laughs> peace among worlds, everybody. So, so, so much worlds. hate in the world. Let's show some love for the world, man. <laughs> I need to get a Rick and Morty shirt, man. I want the Rick and Morty hat, but I haven't got it yet. I need to Have you heard of on. Google? Yeah, I know. I don't order online. Do you order any shit online? Of course I do. Where do you get your stuff from? The shop? Yeah, I know. How, fucking how dare you? The carbon footprint on the shop? I just don't shop at all. I, this is why I wear the same hat for fucking five episodes in a row now. My wife hates it. She's like, you need to get a new hat. Well, okay. Get it online then. So what's good, dude? How you been, man? We finally got you on the podcast. I'm good. I'm good. All's good. How's How? life been? I see you've been killing it running lately. So you're doing Sober September and you've been running fucking 100 kilometers a month or some shit like that. Yeah, nothing much. Just It's just just a challenge. Just keep myself going. Uh, uh, every once in a while, I just do this to make sure that I have control. Drinking is a problem. Yeah. Are you trying to lose weight? Have you lost any since you started? I don't think I lost any weight. At most, a really? kilo. No booze plus all the running and you haven't lost any weight? Yeah, I don't think I lost any weight. That's pretty surprising. Like when I cut down the drinking, like poof, I just shed that shit off. It's hard when you got guns like this. You want to see that shit? You want to see that shit? I'm, I, don't know, I'm, I don't know if you can see it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I don't see anything. Oh, fuck you. I can't see shadow fuck on your white you. skin, you know? See, I'm exci- <laughs> this is why I'm excited for this podcast. I think no, it's no, going to be one no of the most No shadow, white player. I know. So, yeah, you've been doing, how much have you ran this month? Uh, you ha- have it figured out? Uh, it's around 113 for till now. I started on the second, so 28 days. So you got two more to go. Yeah. You have plans for the victory, uh, the victory drinks? Not yet, actually. I'm trying to see how long I can go. Maybe I try to keep it to Friday or Saturday or something. Why don't you just do, like, uh, you know, the standard drink on the weekends and then throughout the week or something? Instead of, like, going hard on, hard off, why not just, like, always moderate? Hey, man. <laughs> Yo, YOLO. I'm blowing shit YOLO. here. I know. I'm YOLO. 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 You only, st- you only need to start with one. And every- Hey, man, I go hard. I go home, man. Because this is the problem, right? You, you do this every year. You go, you go month, total sobriety, and then you drink so much after you finish that you made up for all of the month of sobriety that you took. That's the only way you live, man. <laughs> That's how you live. <laughs> Extreme polar opposites. You're going to live your dreams, man. So, uh, Ron, I wanted to start off the podcast by telling, I know you've heard this shit a million times and it's probably old as fuck, but I always have to tell the story of the first time I met you because it sums up. Disclaimer, it's not true, okay? This, this it's man, fucking true. This man is lying. It's not justified in a court of law. So it's true. That's lies, okay? Because I feel like it sums up everything about you perfectly. So, uh, when I first moved to Singapore, uh, I just started coaching at Trifecta and this was when SFC first did their first show. Speaking of SFC, I just went last night. Uh, I was a judge there, and I've been a judge and a referee, and Ron and I both fought for them as well. Ron's the lightweight champion. Um, Skeet, skeet. Skeet. Only person to win a Singapore national title and then say skeet, skeet right afterward. Big James, bitch. And we we love you for that. (laughs) So uh, I just start being uh, the coach, the MMA coach and the wrestling coach at Trifecta. And 
Ahmed, our buddy, sends us a, sends me a message and asks, like, hey, we have this new guy. He's fighting for SFC. You mind cornering him? His name's Ron. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, I don't mind cornering anybody. Like, that's cool. And uh, he's like, okay, come into the gym on Sunday or some shit and meet him. And I'm like, okay, sounds great. So <laughs> I come into the gym to meet you for the very first time. This is like uh, six or seven years ago. Five, actually. I just, I just checked. It was 2012. 20, no, no. That was when I first moved here. Two, yeah. 14, maybe. 14, 15. Yeah. Something like that. When did you fight? So it's five years ago, yeah, five years ago. Five years ago. Yeah, five years ago. So uh, I come into the gym to meet you, and I see you in the back corner. And <laughs> Trifecta, back in the day, had those Olympic uh, rings. Oh yeah, Olympic rings, yeah. Those Olympic rings, big circle with a rope that's hanging from the ceiling. Motherfucker, so turn your phone I off. I know, what's, God what's wrong damn it. With you? It's Sean. He was just in here. Turn your, that turn your fucking phone off. It's, and, Sean and, and sending me guy, a message. this guy here got a podcast fucking A, man. I know, man. I know. Okay. What's this, a boot, man? Flight mode. Turn flight your mode. phone off. Okay, so we have these. <laughs> it's going to be that kind of podcast. We got, we got the cameraman laughing. That's a good start. So we uh, had these Olympic rings in the gym. And uh, I come in to meet you for the first time. And first time I lay eyes on you, you're hanging upside down with your feet through the Olympic ropes, hanging like a fucking bat from your feet, having somebody kick you in the stomach. Upside down, arms hanging down, like, as you're flexing and somebody's throwing body kicks at you. And I'm just looking and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I, I go over to you and, you know, I think back in the day you'd done a bit more traditional martial arts before you started doing MMA. And, you, and I was like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> and you go, wow, you know, when I did some kung fu or karate or whatever it was that you did back in the day, you were like, oh, it's iron bone training. And I'm like... Okay, you don't need to do any more iron bone training. You're about to have an MMA fight. You shouldn't be hanging upside down like a bat, letting people kick you in the liver. <laughs> but that's Ron being Ron. So that was my first introduction to you, and okay, I wouldn't first, have it any other way. First, I'm going to clarify that story is in half truth. If you ask our other friend who was on a podcast, Stephen, Stephen will say somewhat similar but somewhat different. I wasn't hanging by my feet. I was hanging by my hands, and I was asking them to hit me or kick me in the stomach. That is true, but nobody wants to do it. They say, motherfucker, you're crazy. Get off the ring. We're not going to hit you in the stomach. You die from that. So I no feel like you were hanging by your feet. Maybe I'm exaggerating the story in my head. Maybe that just, I feel like you were upside down. Because, I mean, hanging like this is nothing. I feel like you were upside down. I, I, don't, I don't think I can <laughs> put, my feet, put my feet through the Olympic rings. They're, oh they're just God. too small. Just old time. But so hilarious. Anyway. Uh, moral of that story is after we did all of the training camp and everything, you ended up winning the SFC title. So I had Steven on, I had you on. One of these days, I'll get Ahmed on, and uh, so got got national champions from Singapore and from yeah, uh, Malaysia. Malaysia. Mima, man, Mima, Mima, and SFC. So we just did the SFC SFC show yesterday. It was pretty good. You know, it tends to be a bit chaotic, like those shows often are. There's a uh, you know it's the thing with regional MMA. You see quite a big skill disparity. Yep. Especially with the MMA, they bring in some like the Southeast Asian guys. Like there were some Cambodians fighting, and I think there was uh, Filipinos, Filipinos, uh, Indonesian. And this thing is, they have those guys have really good striking, but uh, with the grappling and the MMA specific stuff, they tend to be a bit a bit behind there. For example, they had this one guy, uh, some Singaporean guy. Shit, what was his name? What? what, uh, he, what? Was a, he was a guy that fought from Juggernaut. Mm -hmm. I can't remember his name. Uh, fuck, I can't remember his name. He, f he fought a Cambodian guy. And, uh, you know, he kept taking him down, kept taking him down. The Cambodian guy was landing a lot more shots on the feet. But, I mean, he didn't even know how to dig an underhook. The guy was, like, clinching him, trying to take him down. And he was hugging his neck like that. He had no idea to try to even get an underhook to avoid the, avoid the wrestling. Yeah, it's, it's common. Guys here don't train enough macho man kind of wrestling. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. You're going to take, take that man down. Can you dig it? Oh, yeah. This is, this is my number one complaint about MMA is there's not enough atomic leg drops. 
You know what I mean? Hulk Hogan style? Yeah, man. You go to some Stone Cold Stunner and uh, get two beers and... There's not enough people's elbow in modern MMA. That's right, man. Train the real wrestling, not the leotard one that you do. Did you know there's a wrestling league in Singapore? Yeah, there is. One of, uh, you know, Misha. Yeah, yeah. Misha's been coming back here training a Russian, Russian student of mine. And uh, I think his boss is the owner of the Singapore Professional Wrestling. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He's the owner of it. He asked me one day if I want to do it. I'm like, fuck yeah. Problem is, like, I think taking all those bumps and stuff would you know, jack up your back. And I, I'm already doing enough high-impact stuff. I don't yeah, know. in all fairness, I would say actually r- wrestling, like pro wrestling, entertainment wrestling is really very hard. Bro. You, have you ever seen how they, they take the break falls and, and they have to make everything look realistic? So, like, when we break fall... We fall on our sides, but when they break fall, they fall flat on the back, like yeah. wha bam, like it's a bump, right? Is that, yeah, that's, is that what that's they call a bump, it? Yeah, I think that's called a bump. That's like crazy, you know. But even even those like suplexes and shit, like that, uh, the basic suplex where you have the head like almost in the guillotine, and then you lift the legs up and you fall back. I mean, yeah, dude, that's you're taking like a six foot fall hey, straight onto your kidneys. And no Ric Flair. How about the slap? Oh, woo! <laughs> that hurts too, you know. I did hurt. You got me in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh. how can that hurt? I thought the MMA coach you're tough, man. You're a meathead. Well, I mean, if you slap somebody in the fucking throat, it's going to hurt. Pussy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, Ron, uh, Ron's been working at New Fit these days. Yep. Uh, Ron, you did, you've been all over the place, man. You've been doing MMA inside the Singapore scene for forever. You've got students all over the place. You're killing it, my man. Yeah, just, just learning from the best, you know? Not talking about you, though. Oh, shit. <laughs> I, I, the, the reason you have your fucking title is because of me, Ron. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. No, it's not. I, I don't take credit for that at all. No, uh, just, just to be clear, uh, uh, Luke and I are old friends, so we talk shit about... Yeah, we're going to talk shit relentlessly this whole, whole podcast. So if you don't like talking shit, if you like filters, then maybe you try Starbucks, okay? I heard the coffee f- is quite good there. <laughs> they use a pretty good filter. Yeah, Ron has no filter. Everybody knows that. Ooh, awkward silence. It wasn't awkward until you fucking made it awkward, dude. And now you're, you're hopping on a point, man. What's wrong with you? You brought it up! I'm just chilling. It's your life. fucking. It's your fucking podcast. You're supposed to be the host. You're supposed to give me topics to talk about. What See, do you want me to do? Take over your show. You're fucking taking over my show, whether I like it of or course, not. Of course, man. We had enough white guys. Um, Asian people need a podcast, okay? Oh God, why are you talking about? See, made it about race immediately. This is gonna be a long podcast, dude. This is gonna be a long well, podcast. I didn't talk about race. I'm just saying Asian man. Asian need Asian man. Asians need Asians. Yeah, Asian podcast, man. What's wrong with you? White people need love too, Ron. What am I? I told you, Privilege. I'm, I'm basically half Singaporean now. I come here, I take your women, I take your money. I'm coming here, us white people are taking this shit over. That might get you docs, you know. <laughs> That'll get you in trouble. I in no way or form or hear or agree with what he says. Any opinion said by him is all his own opinion. Ron's an Asian supremacist. That's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing right now. So come on, dude. What were we talking about? Uh, we're before talking about uh, moving around, doing everything. Uh, let's, talk about, let's talk about fighting. So you did... You had how many? You had how many MMA fights? I had two in one night. I had two Muay Thai fights. Oh, that was great. Let's talk about that first fight again, because yeah. when you, when you won the title, so you fought. You remember the guy's name? You fought the first time. Uh, it was Iswandi Ismail. Oh, that's right. That's right. And so you had actually that's pretty insane because a two night tournament is two fights in one night is pretty rough. Luckily, you managed to get through the first fight without much damage. Yep, yep. That was that was just really crazy. You know, uh, fighting twice in a night is really hard. Like the UFC one or two. Yeah, not ideal, because if you get damaged in that first fight, even if you're better than the opponent in the second fight, you still have to, you know, you still could lose that. If you're hurt at all, have some cardio issue, banged yeah, up. And the worst part is not, I mean, everybody wants to win, 
but psychologically you need to be very tough. I'm not saying I am, but it's just really very hard. Because when you win, you kind of feel like you lose because after your first fight, yay, I won, I want to go home, I want to drink a beer. Oh, no, there's one more to go. Yeah, you don't get the relief that you get when you have one. Because the thing is, like, there's so much stress that goes into a fight, and when it's done, it's like this relief. Win or lose, you're just so happy it's over because the stress and the training and the body damage and everything. And then to know that right after you feel that sense of relief, you just got to psych yourself back up and go back into it again. It's a, yeah, and then, and the worst part is, most likely, the second fight is going to be tougher than the first fight. Yeah, you wouldn't get, it's, it's the same in com jiu competition, you compete in jiu too, right? Mm. Wrestling is hard too, right? It's like fighting three or four guys in the same day. And then uh, you fought Najri. Yeah, Najri Zatari. Na Najri in the second fight. Yeah. And that was a crazy fight too, because he looked really dangerous in that first, I mean, he was just throwing people around. He's a big, big, strong guy. He's a strong guy. That very was explosive. A, that, was a, that was a difficult fight. Uh, in the first place, I wasn't so-called earmarked. I was always considered the underdog, and I guess he was supposed to be the one that won. Mm. Well, I mean, he's still doing the damn thing. He had yeah, he's, still involved. Uh, he's actually the, the coach for the Singapore kickboxing team, now, mm. if I'm not wrong, in Sambo and stuff. I think he's also working... <laughs> this is going to segue perfectly into our next talking point. I think he's also teaching at the UFC gym, right? Oh, yeah. And, mm, and UFC, man. I need train UFC. Yeah, so uh, this is going to lead us to probably the most juicy piece of gossip in the Singapore martial arts scene in the last week or so. That's right. And that's that uh, apparently there was this brown belt, I use air quotes, brown belt, who was uh, recently exposed and is, in fact, not a brown belt at the UFC gym, hired, and he's been teaching classes there wearing a brown belt, but is apparently a blue or a purple. I don't know the full story. I'm not going to say any names because I don't want to... I don't know exactly what's going on. and You already say UFC. The Fatidas and uh, Dana is going to come after you. <sighs> Whatever, dude. I don't know. They can't do anything to me. I'm fucking a nobody. But, <laughs> but this is a pretty controversial topic because, I mean, wearing a rank that you didn't earn in jiu-jitsu is basically the number one sin that you can make. And if you want to see a group of people turn on you quickly, all you got to do is turn up wearing a false belt. And, uh, I mean, it goes to show you that these big money gyms like the UFC gym, they come into Singapore – uh, they are opened up by two guys who I don't know, but I've heard of them through people in the scene. The two sort of rich people that are not in the scene. They brought in people who are not in the scene. They have managers who are not in the scene. And this is sort of what you get. They don't vet their talent. They don't vet the people that are coming in. They sort of just take the resume and then say, okay, this guy looks good without having the people in the scene to know whether this person is legit or not. And then uh, social media just blew up in the last week I mean, hundreds and hundreds of comments on Facebook and Instagram about this guy that was wearing a brown belt that's, in fact, not a brown belt. And it's even more interesting because it's at the UFC gym. So this right, is supposed right. to be the, the peak of quality and, and stuff in martial arts across the world. And you see that, uh, in fact, that's not the case. Yeah, that's, that's sad. It's, it's, it's really silly. Again, I'm not going to comment anything, but all I have to say is that in this time of age of Google and YouTube and whatnot, you can't really fake your way through anything. You know. A simple search now will just prove that you are or not. You know. Even if there's nothing online, an email to the gym you claim affiliation will, will be like easily like that one minute later or whatever it is. Like somebody will say that, yes, you're a purple belt or brown belt or whatever belt you are. So I, I, I really don't understand why we want, we want to try to fake your way through now. anything now. Everybody's getting called out for everything. So you just be more careful. Uh. Well, it begs the question, right? Like The guy that, that apparently was faking his rank was on his Facebook or something like that wearing a blue belt apparently a year ago. Yep. And then you could see a picture of him getting a purple belt, I thought, recently. And it's like, if it's so easy to vet that, how could the UFC gym not just quite simply look 
and then see, oh, you, you were wearing a blue belt a year ago. How are you wearing a brown belt? Let me see your certificate. Yep, yep. I mean, it's a simple thing, right? Most gyms, they give a certificate. The professor must sign off and say that, okay, they received your rank on this date. Boom, done, easy. If it's as simple as a Facebook profile, how are they not doing the work and getting this done? Well, then again, I, I really have no idea. Maybe no due process was taken. I, I can't comment on anything. Uh, but I, I just feel that, yeah, sometimes it slips. Uh, I'm not defending anybody, but we just all need to be more careful what we say what we do. Well, and the, the shocking part to me is that apparently this guy is still teaching Muay Thai classes. Yep, yep. And, and in all fairness, based on the track, he was actually caught out before previously doing the same thing. And then he turned up wearing his belt again. Yeah, he did the same thing again. Which, and then it's insane that the UFC gym would let him continue to teach even another martial art. He perjured on his resume. If I, if I go to a gym and then I say that I'm a black belt and I'm teaching other classes and I lie to you on my resume and then you let me teach another martial art, I lied to you, to my company that I'm supposed to be working for. How can you still employ me? Uh, yeah, I, I, see, I, I see where you're coming from, but normally when in topics like that, I'm a bit more held back. I, I, I don't like to voice out much of my opinion because I don't like to partake in the, the court of public opinion. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to say the guy's name. Like anybody can, uh, this is just all rumors, and allegedly I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface all of this conversation by saying allegedly I don't know the guy but it seems pretty clearly that he was exposed yeah. and I know for a fact that he was still teaching classes there because one of my students was training there yep. so uh, and to me that's just shocking could you imagine going to your employer and getting caught lying on your resume and then continuing to work for them yeah that's that's, that's actually really bad especially yeah. for UFC gym supposed to be a big gym but oh well uh, I hope we'll get some closure on this but in all fairness, doesn't really matter us. We know what we are doing, and uh, we just want to advise all the viewers out there: come to Stronghold. Come to Stronghold. Or new fit. Or, or new fit. Or anyway. just or just do your homework and see where we are go. There's listen. There's so many good gyms in Singapore that that's the thing that makes it so shocking about UFC gym because there are so many quality gyms. So it's just, and you know, to be a brown belt in Singapore, especially the guy was Singaporean, right? Yeah, the community is so small. You right. Know. We can even name off like how many like Singaporean black belt there is, you know. Yeah, and same thing with brown belts. There's yeah, probably a handful at max. So small. When we compete, basically every time you compete, you're fighting a, a distant friend. Every time, you know, it's always the same few people, and that's why some guys actually go overseas compete because the the scene here is pretty small, and they keep competing the same guys. You know, it's really a small community, so that was really a dick and stupid move to do for him. Yeah, because once you've been like, okay, let's say you get a brown belt. If you get a brown belt, you've probably been training six to eight to ten years. Minimum. Something like that. Yep. And when you've been doing it that long in a scene that's as small as Singapore, everybody knows everybody. I mean, I think I probably know almost every brown belt in Singapore. Just because that means you've been doing it in this small area for six, seven, eight, ten years or whatever, you're going to see the same people. Very rare that someone else just turns up with a brown belt. It happens because people travel here and shit. But as a local... Yeah, you like people don't you don't just have brown belts pop up out of nowhere if they're Singaporean yep. impossible because you would have had to have gone through the ranks and done the whole thing yeah and even if you don't know the person you always know somebody who knows him who can vouch for him or her so it's really very hard it's really very silly for you to to, to, to wear a fake belt and to just just uh, pure ignorance I say because you, yeah you're gonna get exposed fast and that is the biggest taboo because everybody knows that trains martial arts jujitsu specifically. I mean, you go through shit to get your ranks, man. You're getting choked and armbarred and fucking smashed and pretzeled and just everything. And then to see somebody that comes in and puts on a fake rank, fake rank is just, it makes you sick to your stomach because you know the kind of shit you had to go through to get to your rank. And to see someone just pretend and then come in there and get a 
job at like the UFC gym, you yeah. know, it's it's not good. It's not a good look. Hor- horrible. Worst thing in the world. Yeah, and I don't think. And I, I would think that the community would push that guy out, and then there would be some kind of backlash, because I mean, it's all anybody was talking about for like a week. Yep. So you would hope that they would get on that shit. And yeah, anyway. but but then again, a new cycle moves so fast nowadays. We're moving on to another topic, another topic. So yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, they do have qualified instructors there because I know that there's like a four or five stripe black belt yeah, there. there. Is. So they they do have qualified instructors. Apparently, this guy just slipped through the the cracks. But let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if you decide you're going to fake your rank, that shit is going to come and eventually bite you in the ass because yeah. it's a small community. Everybody knows, and that shit's like fucking. Dude, finding a fake martial art, a fake jujitsu belt here is like Judge Judy for us. Like everybody just wants to jump on and start talking gossip and judge that person, and you know that's like fucking Law and Order for us or something. It's ding so ding. it's so exciting. You, I'm sure you've watched all those videos of like jujitsu black fake black belt exposed, like whoever the fuck. There's all kinds of them, right? Yeah, lots of them. There was the guy. What was the Tenth Planet guy? Remember that made all the YouTube videos, Submissions 101. Yeah, the guy. You remember that guy? Of, yeah, I don't remember his name, but he had a lot of videos. Yeah, a lot. I mean, he, his views, his videos had hundreds of thousands, and it turned out he was like white belt level. Oh, really? Yeah, maybe blue belt max. He ended up going through and getting like his brown belt. I don't know if he's a black belt now. Damn. But he actually went back and did the damn thing and actually earned his ranks properly, but well, it was I, only after he was exposed. Well, well, but at least he tried to do the right thing. Yeah, but after the fact. After he got caught, he tried to do the right thing. Yeah, but... And yeah. then there was, the, there was another dude in New York... Who was apparently a Brazilian guy who was wearing a black belt that he got exposed to? Yeah, how about the one that no, nobody talks about a lot, but the one that uh, faked his way in the early days of MMA and he actually uh, killed somebody and he was sent to prison? Oh, yeah, the. What was his name? Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the guy that Joe Rogan talks yeah, about. Yeah, right? and Eddie Bravo, yeah. Oh, what the fuck was that guy's name? Was it Torre? Yeah, yeah, Torre. Some, Ra- Raphael Torre, I yeah, think yeah, was yeah, his yeah, fake yeah. name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he had got, fake fights and shit and, and had this, his students like, take dives and fights. And this motherfucker got his friend to drive him to the forest for like an awful combat kumite. Ah, oh, the kumite! With, with a big duffel bag and he came out with a trophy at exactly the same size three oh days later. God. Like, yeah, I just won the kumite. Yeah. I try to tell my wife all the time, like, she doesn't know what training martial arts in like the 90s was. And I mean, even, I mean, I was born in like 80, basically 89, the last month of 88. So I don't even know what it was like, but I still, when I started MMA, it was still new. And there were still those like Kung Fu people. And there were those Japanese jujitsu people and those Aikido people who say that their martial art was legit. But before 2000s, those people were before the internet destroyed all of that fake martial arts. And before jujitsu and MMA came in to prove what was the best and the ultimate form of martial arts. There were masters that had hundreds and hundreds of students that were all full of shit. And there was no dojo storming. There was none of that stuff back in the day. So you would just have your private little gym. You would teach your martial arts. There was no, uh, there was no feedback loop, right? Feedback loop is hugely important for martial arts because I need to know that my techniques work. If I'm the best person in my gym and I'm not training with anybody that's ever better for me and all I'm doing is bringing in students who are beginners, my dumb shit will work on them. But if I don't have a master or people traveling or people coming in or I'm going to other places to constantly give me a feedback loop to prove that my techniques work, you're just going to get into fucking McDojoville yep. where you just are going to reinforce your bag techniques. You get these. What's that dude? Uh, Dill, the knockout guy, the, the death dim, touch, the, dimmuck, the, the, the white dude. The yeah, huge, the fat uh, white yeah, yeah. dude, something Dill. Dill? God, God damn it. All these fucking names are slipping through my head today. What's uh, wrong with you, man? What's I can't wrong? remember, but you know these you, death you, touch guys, you've been, you've really been drinking fat guys again? who think. I wish, <laughs> I wish. If you were, I would. 
uh, who think that death touch will work. And, you know, they do these little wrist things and people go flying or they shoot the fucking chi ball at people and shit like that. It's like back then, shitty martial arts was everywhere. And like someone like my wife doesn't understand because she's just had quality training her whole life. Excuse and she doesn't know. Excuse me if you, you preach. High quality if training. If you, you preach yourself, it's not counter, okay? <laughs> this, is not a, this is not a UN, okay? I need to go to a 17-year-old for opinion for that. Oh, oh, see? You're making it political already. Did I? What, yeah, did, I, what, did. what did I say? No, nah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, but in, in all fairness, I, I, to say I started out in Aikido, okay, people need to understand that much there's a difference between martial art and combat i'm fine if you want to learn like all your traditional martial arts if you're going to do it for health do it for passion it's like painting you know if you want to go learn painting hey say go go for it go learn music do whatever you want pay for it but if you start making the claim that you're the best in the world you're the only true martial art and everybody are fakers that's where i draw the line okay mm. i think every martial art is good in its own way it is learning about I used to think like, uh, how does it work in contact, combat? How does it work in combat? But now I'm more like, I'm learning for the art. I enjoy the art, the philosophy, and the background of it. If I learn how to fight, okay, that's a different thing. And there's a difference really between martial art and combat, but that's where I stand. Yeah, well, you're definitely right about that. And it's ultimately, martial arts should be a lifestyle thing because uh, I, mean, I remember I knew this guy that I used to work with when I was a teacher. And uh, we were hanging out, hanging out at my apartment one day, and he was trying to tell me that, you know, he was of the belief still that there were these like 50, 60 year old monks that are like, you know, maybe they're in China and they're doing their solitary monk training, their weapon forms that, you know, that these guys would beat any modern day MMA fighter because they all, they just live that monk life. You know, they're Shaolin masters that are 50 or 60 years old that if you, they have the death touch and they can, and people still believe this was like five or six years ago. And he thought that, I'm like, listen, if some 50-year-old monk tries to come and death touch me, I'm going to fucking kick him in the head and he's going to crumble like a brick. And he's like, no, 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 because they, you know, they know how to tense their body in the right way. And I'm like, dude, that is all bullshit. Like, people to this day still believe that, that, like, there's some kind of fucking chi, that if you focus hard enough, you're going to get some, like, Dragon Ball Z barrier that's going to prevent you from being attacked. Still to this day, people believe that shit. Now, imagine 20 or 30 years ago when your martial arts was limited to the secrecy of your dojo and your students aren't going out really and competing. Right. But meanwhile, boxing still existed. Muay Thai still existed. Kickboxing. American wrestling still existed. Yeah. You know, uh, Greco and fucking freestyle and folk style wrestling. So there were people still doing the damn thing. But then you would have all these secret little kung fu schools and shit where they're thinking that death touch is going to work. Yeah, but it really is like confidence. Uh confirmation bias still today everybody once you you, you believe in something then you, whatever info you find you always support your own argument mm -hmm. so, so um, it's hard man it's really hard uh, people don't people choose to believe what they want to believe so we can only like tell them like, hey I always say like, go try everything out you know? most, most gyms will allow you to come in to try out the class just come in and see do you like the environment do you like instructors so you talk about toxic uh, gym culture mm. and stuff like that just go everywhere and see what suits best for you and give it a shot. But if you don't know, like if you go to an Aikido school, I'm not shitting on Aikido in particular, Watch right? Yourself, man. I'm there's Aikido some, man. Listen, there's some Aik I'll Aikido. Steven, I'll Steven Seagal you right now, man. Listen, there's some Aikido techniques that work, and this is really true of any martial art. There's some Kung Fu techniques that work. There's some fucking Aikido techniques that work. There's some pick your martial art. There's some techniques that work. The issue is, do they drill? Or do they spar? If right, the answer, right, right. if they don't do that, then I think they're probably mostly fake or shit. But I mean, I'll give you an example. I went to, uh, I must have been 17, 16 or 17. I had been doing jujitsu for like six months, but I'd been wrestling already for years before that. And my brother, who was a kung fu black belt, Ooh. Shaolin kung fu black belt. Oh, did you shave his hair? No, no, no. This is like West Virginia, you, Shaolin you kung have, fu. 
You mean they have a short hair? No, he had fucking long, like, oh. crazy hair. But Why? And no, it was no a ponytail? It was a, yeah, a ponytail. It, it, it was... <laughs> Just because Chinese Kung Fu, man. How I know. I know. He, he loved that haircut. <laughs> but it was, sorry, a, sorry. It, was a, it was a knockout touch seminar. And, wow. and I, I went to this, right? And it was some of the craziest shit I've ever seen. So let me tell you what they were doing, right? It was a bunch of Kung Fu people, but they made it open to outside people. And I just started Jiu-Jitsu. So I went to this thing. And uh, my brother was like, oh, go. They'll teach you how to knock people out. And it's like, it's not death touch. They don't kill you. Right, but, right. you know, it's like they, it's they, they, they hit you in this nerve. Right, right here, and then they touch you here, and then you just fucking fall over, right? It's like that shit you see on YouTube. Uh, they kick you in some pressure point. It was a pressure point. That's what it was. Right, right, it was a pressure point, yeah. point seminar, right? And they touch you here, and it blocks your chi here, and then they touch you here, and then your liver shuts down, and you fucking pass out, or whatever the fuck, right? Something like that. And then I remember thinking, first of all, two things were happening. One, they did it to me because I said it didn't work. So I was like, I don't understand what's going on. And the instructor came over, and he kind of hit me in the bicep, like right, right there. Right, right. And then he kind of gave me a little ridge hand but below the ear. And when he was showing me, there were people standing around me, right? So I was like, okay, cool. So he gives me the arm, and he hits me there, and then he hits me there. And he hit me right behind the ear. Yep. So I felt a little bit of something. But then I feel all these people behind drag me to the ground, and they start lifting my legs and shaking me. Right. I didn't. I didn't pass out. He hit me, and then a bunch of people grabbed me and pulled me from behind, and then they got on me and lifted me up and started rubbing my back and shaking my legs. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? It felt like a, almost like a religious experience or something. Like, nothing happened, but... You, sh you sure? Is that just pride talking? Is that your pride talking? No, 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 man. I, clear as day, I remember. You know, they sometimes you remember they things pulled wrongly. me. They pulled me from behind and, like, set me down, and they started rubbing me. And I'm like, guys, what the fuck? I'm not doing anything. So... But the perception to the whole class right, right, that was that it worked on me. And I swear to God. So that was the first thing that I was like, okay, this is bullshit. The second reason I knew it was bullshit was because I look around everywhere. And these are like, the, students? the average age is like 15 or 16 years old, right? Ooh. And so basically after they did it to me, I was like bullshit. But then I was like, okay, even if it's not bullshit, this is fucking child abuse because these kids are getting knocked out left, right, right and right. center by all these fucking instructors. And every, everywhere I look, I just see people fucking passing out and legs shaking. And I'm like, okay, so either this is bullshit or these kids are all getting fucking knocked out by these people. And they're all going to have like CTE and brain damage and shit like that. In all fairness, okay, pressure point do exist. Get somebody to slap you in the back of the head or, or hit you like here, like mm. full bone, bone to bone. It really hurts, okay? Pressure point really exists. But... For it to exist at that level, mm. but it's not debilitating. Shut you down, knock you out. Yeah, for sure it's not. I mean, I kicked I kicked my wife in the funny bone the other day, and her arm went dead for like an hour. That's a fucking pressure point. Why, why, why do you do that? Because what's, what's wrong? I was demonstrating a technique. What's wrong? How, how can you say <laughs> such thing with such confidence on a podcast? Look at oh, this she, man. She here. was so mad at me. <laughs> she was like, I can't move my hand. I was I was telling her. You know, like when you throw the no, high kick. No, I don't. I don't kick my wife. <laughs> you should. It's fun. <laughs> but I was explaining, like, let's say I throw the head kick to you, right? You know, if I don't yeah. turn the kick over, I kick you in the armpit, right? If, you're, if your guard is yeah, up yeah, like yeah. that and I don't go over your shoulder, I'm going to kick you. For those of you listening, if my guard is up and I want to throw a head kick at you, if I don't bring my kick around to go over top of your shoulder, I'm going to kick you in the armpit. And I was trying to explain that to her, and she didn't lift up her armpit, so I kicked her right in the funny bone. <laughs> <laughs> and then her whole arm just went fucking dead, and she couldn't move it for like an hour. So pressure points definitely pressure exist. Pressure points do exist, but at that level, I've uh, I don't know. I've yet to see anything very concrete. So I mean, if it worked, you would see it in MMA. 
Yeah, but but if you if you notice most of the time with all these uh death touch pressure point fighters, it's not like hey man, like People need to like suck the sound out, like rub their face, like, like get all ready. So by the time that happens, you're ready to put a pressure point touch on somebody. Most likely, the guy has walked away. Yeah, already. that's the thing, right? <laughs> you need preparation. It's not something that, I mean, there really is pressure point, but again, not at that level. But you never know. Maybe one day you find out science is true. Like we recently found out that the Earth is flat. Yeah, that's that's true. The Earth is flat. <laughs> Everybody knows that. That's a fact at this yeah, point. How dare you say Earth is round? <laughs> you fucking round Earth shill. Yeah, shill. That's what, that's what you are. So, uh, I mean, no, for sure the pressure points are real, but the big thing that differentiates whether you're doing a fake martial art or a real one is like, is it active? Is there sparring? Like if your martial art needs to, needs me to be like, okay, I grab your wrist here and then you do this and then I do this and I do this. If it's like that, it's bullshit. If it's like, I need you to grab me here and then when you do this, I'm going to fucking do this. And then when you do that, I'll do that. Yep, yep. It never works like that. It's messy. It's sloppy. People don't react the way that you should. And, uh, you need real sparring. Yep. You need actual sparring in your martial art. And Otherwise, you don't know it will work. And I've done traditional and, like, uh, I would say combat sports. Uh, if you look like traditional arts, there's always forms. They call it kata and karate. They call it pumse in, in, in taekwondo. There is always a place for forms because really it's building a muscle memory up, mm. okay? It's like punching the back or instead of punching the back, doing forms. But there's always a combative aspect to it. That's the, the, the kumite or the kurogi in taekwondo. Everything. So it always has to be a balance to it. So if, if yours like all forms, then it's really very hard for you to do anything. If you've not been tested under pressure, uh, I, 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 I used to do Filipino martial and one of my masters always tell us that if you don't perform it under pressure or if you haven't tested yourself under pressure, then how do you know that you're going to perform it when, it's a, when the shit hits the fan? Yeah. So that's, that's about it. And that's the good thing about like jiu-jitsu or something, right? Is you're always under pressure because literally people are squeezing you and they're stacking you and they're fucking trying to choke you and arm lock you. The whole nature of the sport is like, and the most important thing about it is that it's relaxed under pressure because yep. you need to be relaxed, but you're always, you know, at some point you're the fucking hammer and some point you're the nail. And when you're the nail, you need to be able to escape these positions and still be relaxed as soon as you tense up and you freak out and you try to get your gas tank's gone and then yeah, your and life's that's a, that's a very That's a very good point because I wanted to say like grappling art, okay, all arts are difficult. They're difficult in only, but grappling arts are very hard. Imagine you do art like jujitsu or judo or sambo, whatever grappling art you do. You come to a gym on the first day, you come in, everybody just wrecks you all the time. Destroy, 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 destroy. Like after a while, you get very discouraged, but you know you push through. But with striking arts, man, striking arts the best. You get the bag, you got a good instructor. Bang, 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 bang. Then you feel like the champ. Every time you're a winner, bang, 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 bang. Until you spar, then you get destroyed. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so this is always the thing, right? It's always the sparring. That's what separates the men's, men from the boys, as it were, right? Is the sparring. That's why I do it every day. I mean, even in the Muay Thai classes, I don't care. Day one, I let people spar. But it's controlled, right? Yeah, It'll be like control. technical sparring. It's not going to be like real, no, not, real not, fight not, sparring. Not but true. You hit me pretty hard all the time. I've I don't chilled know. out over the years, Ron. You hit me hard. I, I, I've, I, I I've, still feel you don't like me. You only got me on a fifth podcast. No. Oh, God. I know you were badgering me. So I had, I had you know, you were going to be on here. I, I, just trying I to get into the swing of things. I don't know. I had to badger you to get on. I wouldn't know. Ah, I'm, I'm excited you're here. And I want to do the drunk podcast with you, too. Yeah, I let's think, do I a think drunk. that's going to be sweet. That'll be fun. We, we're going to just gonna do, get a lot of beers. Maybe you're going to play the, your favorite game, like drink a beer. Like after, I don't know, we work something out. Somebody hit the bell. You, dude, <laughs> you want to do a drink? Every, every like Pavlog's dog, every yeah, time every, there's every, a ting, you just yeah, drink a every beer. Every 30 seconds, we drink a beer. Oh, my God. That would be sloppy and, and, That'll be and fun. good. And good. Well, you got two days left to go. Two days left. Do you have a way to celebrate yet after you're done? 
with the sober September. Are you guys going no. away in October? You said you're going uh, with your wife or something. Yeah, I'm going. Uh, too much info. Hey? What? I'm, I'm not going to say. I'm going to be out with my family. Uh, I don't want to know this fucking kinky shit you and your wife do, bro. I just was asking, like, are you going on holiday? Yeah, I'm going on holiday. My wedding anniversary, you dick. Ah. I'm, I'm not like you. Okay, so it is your wedding I don't kick my wife in the arm for fun, you know. I do. I kick, choke. We're gonna do a. I, <laughs> we're gonna do a segment. It's gonna be called the Wife Beating Chronicles. Her idea, not mine. I'm. I'm not participating in that. Okay, I go. Again, Charmaine, if you're watching this, I got a very good lawyer for you. Do you want the good or the very good? Okay, I can help you with this. Uh, this is totally wrong. No husband kick their wife in the arm. Well, I was trying to kick her in the head. To be fair, so. Why she's not? She's I, not I love my wife very much. What, I just what, say. Why do you want to <laughs> kick her in the head? Why she's not giving you any? Because then, oh. <laughs> Oh my God! You fucking <laughs> went there. I knew. Webam, that's a low blow. <laughs> well, if I don't kick her in the head, how is she gonna learn how to block a head kick? Well, she's. I answer that question. She's not living in a combat zone, you dick. She's a instructor at Stronghold. Last I checked, there's no like group. I say, hey man, let's go and kick someone in the head all the time. There should be. There should be. But speak, speaking of which, let's bring back to a point. Of, uh, I just had one point on for MMA. I think MMA is great. Uh, it, it showed a lot of people like what really works and what don't work. Uh, at the end of the day, if you look, the very classic close guard standard striking, straight cross, kicks and, and grappling up uh, works. But what I'm kind of worried about is because of MMA, everybody now fight like an MMA fighter. You look, watch yeah. all the like, world, world stars and street fight. Everybody see like 14-year-olds doing arm bars and shit. Yeah, it's, everybody goes for a takedown and stuff like that. Hey man, takedown is dangerous. Not because some they might have friends. Right? You take down wrongly, you put your head in the wrong place, you DDT your own head in the ground and you die, you know? Yeah. It's true. It's really dangerous. So, so really, I'm, I'm just afraid. But it's not as dangerous as getting kicked in the head. And then your body weight falling unconscious, you hit your head on the curb and die. Like a choke, to choke somebody who is attacking you is a much safer method than to true, square up true. with them and try to strike with them. True, but you're talking about the des uh, destination. I'm talking about the journey. Mm. The journey now is getting more and more dangerous. Right? Everybody like, like throw downs, wild swing, take down and kicking everybody in. Yeah, you can't, you can't get in a street fight anymore. Like, if you got in a street fight 10, 15 years ago, like, most likely nobody knows anything. Like, it's just going to be two fucking idiots charging each other. One's going to get on top. Like, now you pick a fight with some nerdy-looking tech dude, that guy might be a purple belt or something will fuck you up. Like, and, and you know what's <laughs> the worst part? You really can't get in a street fight anymore because of mobile phones, man. Even yeah. if you're right, even if you need to slap a fucker in the face, like, oh... I'm going to be on, on uh, Storm or YouTube or worse, yeah. however, and they're going to cut away where he antagonized me like, like yeah. okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, BJ Penn, he got knocked the fuck out, on, basically put on World Star Hip Hop by getting in a drunken brawl. That's, that's why, guys, in all fairness, always remember the golden rule in boxing. You've got to put your hands up all the time. You've got to protect yourself yeah, at all protect time. yourself all you time. You never tell anybody, hey, man, give me a shot. Yeah. Well, and that goes back to the point of why you should grapple in a street fight instead of exchange, because did you watch the whole clip? Like they he, were, he was dominating the first. They were uh, in a tussle, and then the guy he like he like snapped him down, and he had him all on all fours and shit. And then he like let him stand back up, and he let him throw. If he had just taken his back right there, but he wanted to fight him. He wanted to fight him, and then he paid the price. Well, in all fairness, kids, say no to fighting. Don't listen to this guy. He doesn't know anything about fighting. I never tell. I've never been in. A, you've been in more street fights than I have. No, I've never been in a street fight. How dare you? Bullshit. I've Bull not, I have shit. not. You used to be a bouncer at a bar. You used to fuck people up for fun. No, Allegedly. No. Don't, Allegedly. Don't question my yellowness. Huh? I'm, I'm afraid I don't question do... Question your yellowness. I don't do that. <laughs> my God. Quite, what does that have to do with your yellowness? Also... How, how dare you call me yellow? What's wrong with you? I can get to call myself that, not you. Whitey. I can't be racist against Chinese people. I'm married to a Chinese person. Well, Singaporean Chinese. She hates it when I call her Chinese. 
Just remember, don't ever call me Ching Chang. That's racist. It's Mr. Ching Chang to you. I don't say Ching, uh, Ching Chong. It's Mr. to you, okay? Mr. Ching Chong, not just Ching Chong. Oh, God. I call my wife Ching Chong all the time. She what? fucking hates it. And thank you. And this, this will be the last Stronghold podcast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Although, to be, although to be fair, to my, these are my in-laws now because we're married. I'm still Ong Mo to them. So as long as I'm Ong Mo, she's Ching Chong. And I think that's fair. That's quid pro quo. I have no idea what I just said. Okay, speak English, not Latin. <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts on Ong Mo? Racist or no? Is it a pejorative? It's not racist. I don't think it's racist. Is it derogatory? I think it depends on the content and context of the situation. Uh, most people say yes, but I'm, I'm a firm believer there's no, uh, there's no bad words, but there's bad intent. Yeah. Okay, what if I say the N-word and I'm not racist at all? I'm using it like in a song. I'm singing a song. It's got it. Is it racist? Uh, We're touching on some. <laughs> <laughs> We're touching on some. Okay, let's change the subject I, here. I, I'm, no, uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not in a position oh to God. comment about any other I knew thing. it was going to turn to race with What's you, Ron. What's wrong with you? What? I knew it was going to turn to race Why when is we it? talk. Everything that comes out from you has to be racist. It's man. not me. It's not me. It's you, you fucker. Everybody That's knows your, it's you. Check your white privilege, oh man. God, you see? I'm Check just, your white privilege. I'm just glad you haven't brought up Donald Trump or MAGA yet. Let's keep it that way. I didn't say anything about that. It's, it's coming. It's, if you had beer, it would be done already. Excuse me. I, I don't say things like that. What's wrong with you? Okay, one thing I do want to talk to you. Segway, yes. segue a bit. Go for Let's it. Let's talk a little bit about 1FC, man. One championship. Yeah. That lightweight tournament is coming up. That lightweight final. Did you see the announcement? Uh, no, I haven't been keeping up with 1FC. They just... Apparently, Eddie Alvarez got hurt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now Christian Lee is going to step in and fight Daggy in the finals. But that tournament has kind of just turned to, to shit because Lowen pulled out. Eddie Alvarez pulled out. Uh, who else was in that tournament that pulled out? Oh, uh, Nasukin pulled out. Right. Uh, I think even one more. So of that whole lightweight Grand Prix, they already had like four or five people pull out. So I guess Christian Lee's going to step in and fight Daggy. That's a tough fight for him, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard. Uh, especially when you do like a, a, a knockout league system in MMA or in any sports. This is not like soccer where like, like or, or football or whatever, there's a big team, there's substitute. And even in like, like team sport like that, when the team, the star goes down, the whole team's kind of have to struggle a bit. MMA, you're just one guy, you know. I always use the concept, if you lose, you lose. If you win, maybe you lose because you're going to keep fighting and you're only one person. Like how much can you recover until the next fight, yeah. the next fight, the next fight? Especially in a tournament like that, right? This is the thing, right? This is why the UFC doesn't do the tournaments anymore because you, tournaments are cool, right? But like the thing that's kind of biting one in the ass is that they did this tournament-style thing, but then they want to have everybody fight the finals on that New Year's show, right? That's the goal was to have the finals at the New Year's show. But if they keep doing this tournament and people are injured and they still want that to be the day, then what's the point of the tournament, right? Okay, you can beat Eddie Alvarez first round. Right. Okay, you can pulled out. Well, they want the show to be done in January and he can't fight for a few months, so he's out. Yep. Okay, cool. So then they stick in um, uh, Edward Fulion or whoever it was. They stuck in, I don't know, whoever, whoever they stuck in in his place. And then they stuck in, in Lowen. Lowen won, yep. also pull out because injured. And then they put Eddie Alvarez back in the tournament. He wins his fight. Boom, injured. Cannot fight. So they have this idea where it's like tournament, tournament, tournament. These finals is going to be great because all these people earned their spot. But now they have two people fighting in the finals. Only one of them actually even won their fights to get through the tournament. Right, right. And now it's just like, and now they have Christian Lee fighting Daggy in a non-title fight for the Grand Prix. And Christian didn't go through that, yep, yep. that grind to get to the finals of the fight. So 
Yeah, that's that's what happened when you put an end in mind. The destination first before consider. Maybe they did consider, but it's it's a very long road and people fall out throughout the road. It's uh, yep. It's gonna be a good fight. Uh, a man, Daggy. I, th- I think that's a tough. That's a tough fight for Christian Lee. It's Sorry, gonna be we got, very the, we got the lightning and the thunder coming down outside. So yeah. if you hear that, apologize. Uh, seek and destroy my Metallica and uh, mm. how's out to James Hetfield. Yep, he's in rehab right Just now. Just into rehab. Yeah, we were talking earlier about rehab. Did you? We were talking just a second ago. I said save it for the podcast yep. about uh, Jordan Peterson. Just said that he apparently checked into rehab for. Uh, he's on some anti-anxiety medicine medication because I guess his wife is really really sick and he's been having a hard time dealing with it. Yep. And I love Jordan Peterson, man. I think Me too, man. I think he's one of the greatest sort of like self-help philosophical, you know, YouTube professor type people. Uh, on the internet right now, I think his stuff's been hugely helpful, and I love a lot of the shit that he talks about. And I saw an article the other day that was talking about him checking in, and it was written by some fucking liberal cunt. I don't know who it was How written by. you used to see what? But it literally talked. The 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 <laughs> headline was Jordan Peterson became famous for uh, fighting against trans rights in Canada. That's not. That's not. Man. That's not even close to what it was about. He just didn't want to have so many pronouns. And he, even he told people that he will call you your pronoun if you tell him, as long as you're not going to, like, change it one day, yeah. change it the next day. Today I want to be him. Today I want to be her. Today I want to be Zer. Like, if you, whatever you identify yeah. as, he will call you that. He's just against compelled speech. Yeah. But then again, this, this topic is like plutonium. We can't touch this because anytime you say that about Jordan Peterson, compelled speech, then they just call you a racist, sexist, bigot, KKK, Trump supporter. I don't mind talking about this. I, I think it's interesting and I think it's fascinating and... It's one of the, I just immediately read that article, and he's like, he became famous for uh, suppressing trans rights in Canada, and then it was talking about how, oh, he's a self-help guru who talks about bettering your life, but he's no better than them because now he's checking himself into drug addictions, and he's trying to help people who are drug addicts. It's like, dude, just because you're trying to help people doesn't mean that you're not human, and you can't, you're not fallible, and you right. can't, everybody like... Falls. Yeah, everybody falls. Yeah, everybody falls, and his wife is, like, gravely ill, like... You can't fault a man for going through a hard time when he finds out that his wife is struggling and might not, you know, really, really gravely ill. And then he, you know, has stress and anxiety about this. And listen, those pharmaceutical pills will fuck you up. If you go and you get on a strong SSRI or you go when you get on Xanax or an antidepressant or some of that shit, that stuff is highly addictive. It's highly addictive. And you think getting off that shit is easy? You you it's just not. you just went back, right? How how was there an opiate crisis in Wales? Oh my you? God! It was everywhere. It was totally insane. I'm talking to my family about this. Uh, my sister sent me a picture of a a Walmart. Uh, I think I talked about this on one of the other podcasts. A Walmart dumpster. She took a picture. Are of you it. sure you're not quoting Dave Chappelle? No, no, no. <laughs> this is West Virginia, bro. She took a picture of a Walmart dumpster, heroin needles, used uh, needles, right, right, and right. rubber to tie off your arm. Inside the thing. This is outside of Walmart in West Virginia. And she said, my mom and sister were telling me everybody's on pills. Everybody. And they were telling me how much worse it's gotten recently. I mean, this is a huge, a huge epidemic. And in fact, it's getting so bad that my mom has cancer. She has lung cancer and she has stomach cancer. Terminal. She's, she's starting to do a little bit better now. But, you know, she's in the final stages of her life. And she was telling me that they wouldn't even prescribe her pain medicine. Right, right. Because the, the, kick, the kickback is so hard that even though she's dying of cancer, they wouldn't prescribe her pain medicine. Even though you can get it, you can buy it on the street. Yep, it, yep. You go to your friend, they have them, they can sell you them. But she couldn't get them from the doctor. She had to go to Ohio to where the regulations Florida? are different. Huh? Has she tried Florida? <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> but West Virginia is one of the centers of this, right, of, the, right. of the opioid crisis. 
And those, those things are highly, highly addictive. And to just shit on somebody for checking himself in a rehab, it's like, listen, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. Right. You shouldn't shit on somebody and discredit what they're saying because they're going through stuff in their life. Like, I mean, that is, that's insane. He did the right thing by checking into rehab. And I just, I, you know, they shit on that guy and they shit on that guy and they misrepresent him more than I think anybody. I learned a lot from him. Me too, man. Did you read his stuff? Yeah, I, I got the 12, 12 rules on audiobooks. Pretty good. I really like his bit, and I think it applies to martial arts a little bit. I really like his bit about the, the sort of the, the shadow self. Right. Do you hear him talk about that? I haven't. I think it applies to, to martial arts great. Because what he talks about is, like, you don't want to be a person who is not dangerous, right? You don't, you don't want to be that person. Yep, you yep. want to be a person who is dangerous but never uses it. Right, right. And the idea is we all have this part of ourself that is dark. Yep, yep. We, we all have this part inside of us. I mean, for a martial artist, it tends to be violence. Yep. And I'm not a violent person, but That's I have... That's what you say. But I have violent tendencies. That's what you say. No, I, I mean, I'm straight up, right? No, like, I kick my wife in the elbow. <laughs> exactly. Well, but this, this is my point, right? Like, I'm not a violent person, but I certainly have violent tendencies. I have violent thoughts. If I were to pretend otherwise, I wouldn't have dedicated so right, much right. of my life to martial arts. And one of the things that he talks about is whatever the aspects of your personality that tend to be darker... Maybe you're a drinker. Maybe you're, you have violent thoughts. Maybe, I mean, whatever it is, right? Whatever these, these, these dark things about you that exist that are in everyone, if you don't get control of that and you don't own it, it will take, you, take over your life. In other words, if you, if you reject that aspect of your personality and you try to bury it, yep, oops, yep. Sorry, you bury it deep in the subconscious and you pretend like it doesn't exist, that shit will take over your life. Yep, yep. But... Yep. One way that is helpful for me to think about it is that, listen, I have violent thoughts. I, I would have all the fantasies that I'm sure you had when you were 20 about winning fights and fucking no people up. And some dude talks shit to you at the bar and you're just like, God, I wish I could. And you have this fucking fantasy in your head. I about, have no idea what you're talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> exactly. Exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. And for me, one of the best things that I ever did was just accept that and take ownership of it. And I really think that that... Sh- shadow part of your personality and taking ownership of it is something that people don't do nowadays they try to pretend that the darker parts of their personalities don't exist or they try to bury them and then they come back through alcoholism or they come back through unintended yep, violence yep. Or, or whatever the case is i guess to, to build on a point just say look let's let's not just martial up but be like you want to be like like reading I always like to use the arts the music be it surfing or bicycling or skateboarding whatever passion you choose to do there must be a certain level of dedication and discipline for you to do it to get better. And it's not easy. Nobody got better by sitting on their ass and doing nothing, okay? It takes dedication, it takes discipline. You need to have a bit of that, for lack of a better term, as you said, the, the, dark, the dark character in you to say, no matter how difficult it is, I'm just going to grind through and go out and do it. So that's, I guess that's kind of like what he's talking about. He's not talking about going out to... Not uh, telling you to be a savage or go and kick somebody in the elbow or slap someone, <laughs> slap somebody in the face or be, be a, a, a mean person. But you need to turn on that good aggression where you need to, you know. Everything in life needs a bit more aggression. That discipline, that focus to go do it. That's what you're talking about. More or less, now a lot, I see a lot of people just sit there, they do nothing. They, all they want to do is complain. I mean, we all complain all the time. But sometimes you just need to get your ass off the chair and just do it. And that really is the point. But I think, I think yeah, yeah, there's no question that Listen, there are, there are perks to aggression, and I think this is one of the things that rubs people wrong about Jordan Peterson is, you know, he, his take on masculinity is sort of 
old school yeah, in the I, sense that he talks about like you know there there is the there's a masculine and there's a feminine and there's of course every shade of gray right, in between right. all of that but these things are built into us and that doesn't mean we don't all have masculine and feminine traits i mean we for sure do yep, i yep. have i have my feminine traits you have yours and yep. we both have our masculine traits but you need to be able to get in control of the parts of your personality that you find unbecoming and for a lot of people that could be hyper masculinity yep, right yep. i mean listen we've all met bros we've all met guys that are like way too over the top masculine and i'm not talking about that right nobody wants to be that guy yep yep right those people need to do something to get in control of that because any sort of extreme is going to be fucking annoying but i mean for something that that's something i dealt with when i was young was that sort of hyper masculine thing and i even said i chilled out over the years when it comes to training because i used to be like train hard fucking go crazy sprint run kill and over the years i've chilled out it's, it's in really, that it's really a balance and the truth is the reason why you are you or i are what we are today is because we went every everybody go through a phase you know it's common when you're younger maybe you're, you're a bit more aggressive or maybe you're not so aggressive and over time you learn to be a little bit less aggressive or you learn to be a bit more aggressive you know there's there's always the flip side like guys are always like yeah man i'm, I'm gonna go fuck somebody up then or the other one no 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 i just like keep quiet and uh, just let people step all over me so you shouldn't be a doormat but you shouldn't be the person that's always stepping over everybody it's, it's about balance and that's the hard part but we shouldn't automatically go say hey man that's toxic masculinity immediately you know yeah that's that that concept is crazy to me i mean there's no question that there is toxic masculinity i mean you've seen it right but i think a lot of that okay let's take for example right let's say you're 20 Right. And you, you have all this aggression. You're, you're a 20-year-old guy. You have all this aggression. You just don't know how to get it out of you. To your peers and to the people around you, there are certainly times where that would probably become toxic. Yep. I mean, if you're the type of guy that is 21, 22, drinking at a bar, getting belligerent, looking for a fight, those people exist. No question, yeah, yeah. right? Of course, of course. Now, are there elements of that that are toxic? Yes. The only way for a person to get control of that is to exercise the toxic masculinity out of them through mostly exercise. It can be other shit. Like it can be pursuits. It can be crafts. It can be hobbies. It can be all this kind of stuff. But for that really hyper masculine, like just full of testosterone, you need to exercise that shit out. And I think that that's sort of the shadow self thing that Jordan Peterson talks about is like, if I can relate specifically to the aggression, because that's what I feel. Right. And so I had to just exercise and exercise, and exercise and get that shit out of me. I had to get control of that hyper-aggressive, which maybe it was toxic, maybe it was toxic masculinity, so that I could become, you know, have a, a, an appropriate amount of masculinity where my masculine traits now I consider to be being on time, taking care of my family, like not being a fucking asshole at work, being, re shit, being reliable. These are aspects of masculinity that I think are positive. And, you know, and obviously, obviously, uh, feminine aspects that are the same thing that can be hyper over the top and then there's good things and i think getting your whatever your bullshit or your neuroses or your eccentricities under control is uh really important i think mostly that's what jordan peterson is trying to say it's just like whatever those fucked up aspects of your personality are we all have them yep. exercise whatever do whatever you need to do to, to get them under control and this guy's just been thrown under the bus, under the bus. i also feel that sometimes we just need to be more reasonable and really pay forward um, we are products of our environment and time and sometimes it really helps as, as we grow older we, we i would guess we are more aware of this situation now compared to our parents because things are so different then especially now it's not it doesn't hurt for you to go to somebody hey man you look a bit down or angry today what's up what's going on you need to talk 
just 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 spreading love around. Just just talk to somebody. If you see somebody younger than you, younger cousin, whatever, why are you like? Is there anything bothering you? Like just just show a bit more love to everybody. I don't think things will be better, but at least showing some love helps. Yeah, especially especially the young kids, like that teenage sort yeah, of angsty early, years. Yeah, yeah, man. Like that that age is really tough because you want to prove yourself so bad, but. You're, but you know you're not making money. You don't have a skill set to give you the confidence to get through life. But you just want to. I mean, I, again, I know I'm relating more to the men here, but that's because I'm a guy and it's all I can do. Stop mansplaining. I know I'm just mansplaining shit to you, but you're a man too, so you can relate. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you call you a man? I Are you a lady? I associate myself as an attack helicopter. Oh my god. Are you gender fluid right now? Is that? Do you? Are you feeling like a zur? I choose. I choose not to answer you, man. Point is, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry to digress. No, that's okay. Digressions are gonna happen when you're on the podcast. But uh, I don't even know how we got onto that point. But it's it's one of those things where that, that that's the beautiful thing to martial arts for me is seeing men and women learn that skill set because everybody that comes into the gym is usually struggling with some aspect of aggression. Right, right. And that I mean that's just the lens that I see because it's martial arts and people that want to learn how to fight are generally grappling with either insecurity or aggression. Right. And it can go either way. One, one vein will be, I'm insecure, so I need to get stronger. Mm-hmm. And then the other vein will be, I'm aggressive, I need to get my aggression under control. Yep. And, but it's almost all based on, I need to become more aggressive or I need to become less aggressive. So that tends to be the lens that I view things through. And I've just seen people either overcome their insecurities or get control of their aggression and I think that's one thing that martial arts brings you that's unique, that is very difficult to find in other places because this is the domain of aggression. Right. And if you're a young man in particular or a woman who's looking to get stronger, there's, I don't think there's anything better for you than, than martial arts. <sighs> yes. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky world. Well, it's a strange world we're living in. I want to talk to you about this because you have kids. Yep. And uh, you, I think somewhat confusing to me, don't want your kids to do martial arts yet. Yep. Explain that because you're a, you're a lifelong martial artist. You hang out with martial artists. I, I have no doubt you've seen the positive benefits of it. So what's your what's your thought process? I mean, officially, I'm doing this because my passion. I enjoy it. But the the honest answer is everybody looks for something that they can do better than somebody else. That's what I say all the time. Better than somebody else. So so happen, Marsha. I won't say I do it better than somebody else, but I manage it well. But I just want my kids to be happy. So I just want them to do whatever they, they, they choose to do. I'll, I'll let them try everything, but I won't compel them to do anything. Don't you think kids need to be forced to do things they don't want to do sometimes? Um, yeah, but there's, there's ways to that. I, I don't think of forcing them to do anything now, but if they want to try something, I'll let them try, let them try out. You know. I, but, but kids are fickle. You're the adult. You need to and, sort and of, that's why, right? And that's why if they say they even do A, then they must finish A. They, they can't mm. give up, but I won't force so them. So you'll give them the choice, but when they start, they're not allowed to stop until yep. the season is over or the thing is yep, over. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I'm, I'm a believer that discipline comes not just from martial art, but everything is discipline. Yeah, there's no going, question. Going to art class on a Sunday morning, it sucks, but that's discipline. Doing something you don't like to do, that's discipline. It doesn't have to be martial art. Just that the martial aspect, the martial the sports aspect, they always say start your kids in sport because the physical aspect is... Uh, very men- mentally draining, very tiring. But actually, when you do other stuff in the arts, the music, or whatever, the the you are a drama student. Mm. Yep. The, the it's mentally draining too to do drama and all those mm. things too, right? It's, yeah, it's for sure. Nothing is easy in this world. So so that's that's my take. I mean, if you want your kids to learn, I say go for it. 
but you definitely want them to do something physical, right? I mean, for me, I think there's, you know, you have your basic, your, your basic STEM stuff, right? Your science, your mathematics, of course, your reading and your writing, you have to do that. And then I think everybody needs at least some physical outlet and some artistic outlet. Yep. So, I mean, I don't have kids, but I do think about it. I'm starting to think about it more as I get older and older and older. And, and I think that there needs to be, but here's the problem that I see in Singapore, right? Is that the kids are very stretched out with their time. Right, right. So, for example, we have some kids, most of the kids that train at Stronghold only train like one day a week yep. because this day they have this class and this day they have this class and this day they have fucking painting and this day they have jujitsu and this day they have their bike, whatever, whatever it is, right? They always have so many things on, but they, to they lack progression. They lack the progression that makes you learn. For example, I didn't know that I could be good at stuff until I got good at martial arts. That was the first thing that I got good at. And it wasn't until I was like a teenager. I just thought I sucked at everything. Like when I first started wrestling, I was like 13. Everybody that was wrestling on the team had wrestled longer than me, even though it was like only a year or two. But when you're 13, two years of experience seems like it's insurmountable. Right, right. You know? And so I just thought I sucked at everything. And then once I stuck to it and I started to get good, then I was like, oh, I can actually get good at stuff. But it took me doing one thing for a long time to even realize that I had the potential to get good at stuff. You don't know. Nobody can tell you that. It's something right. you have to experience firsthand. And I get so many of the kids or the parents that bring the kids in here and they bring the kid in once a week and then the kid doesn't want to train. And then the parents are like, oh, they, they don't seem to be picking it up. And I'm like, no, they, they train once a week and maybe then. And then sometimes they don't come in. If you don't make them come in enough to where they see the progress, they are not going to get they need to see the rewards in order to get the benefit of the thing that they're yep, doing. Yep. And if you don't at least get them in enough. So we'll take your example, right? Let's say your kid, you, your kid starts jujitsu, and okay, if you start, you must train six months, hypothetically, right? Yep, just, yep. just give a, a number. You must train six months. I think minimum you must train twice a week, because if once a week, you are not going to come enough to get the progression. And the kids that are coming in three or four times a week are going to fuck your kid up, and then they're never going to want to come in. And so I see a lot of it. They're like, oh, oh, my son, he, oh, he just doesn't want to do. It. He doesn't want to do. It. It's like, but you're the parent. And yep. for most of the parents that bring their kid in, they want their kid for self-defense. Listen, you want your kid to be confident enough to protect themselves, to not be bullied at school once a week, not going to cut it, you know, because you're letting your kid dictate what, what their schedule is going to be. Of course, they're not going to want to come in and get choked and taken down and all that hard work and hard exercise. Nobody at that age wants it, but the benefits will come later, you know, and it's hard to relay that to parents who want their kids to do the best and do the things that they want. When I feel like a lot of times, if they're bringing them here, bring them here. If you want them to do other stuff, then fine. Like, everybody doesn't have to be a martial artist, for sure. But if you don't give them a chance to see the benefits, you're basically wasting my time and theirs, you know? Yeah, everything takes time. But I, I, sometimes, especially in this world of instant gratification, everything comes fast. So everybody thinks that you come to a six-month class, man, you're going to be like a superstar, everything. Look, if you can become a superstar in six months, maybe you should be teaching me instead. Like, nobody mm -hmm. becomes a superstar in six months. It's, it's very hard. You need to put in time and dedication and hard work into it. Maybe that's also a reason why I don't want to... F I use the term, I don't want to force them into martial arts. Because if, if I could have my way, I wouldn't be doing this all the time. And it I would just, be or wouldn't be? I, I, I want to. I want to get better. And Listen, dude, your kids have your fucking square head. Your kids are meant to be pillaging towns and ransacking... Yeah. <laughs> Like, you got Mongol blood in your genes, dude. Yeah, like, your kids are going to... You wait. I'm telling you, one day you're going to come to me and you're going to be like, Luke, 
please get these kids under control. And I'm going to be like, thank you, Ron. Yeah, but it's, it's in their DNA, bro. They're right. meant to be ransacking cities and shit. They're not meant to be doing fucking art class. Yeah, but my take is everything is not for everybody. So, uh, yeah, but it's your so, DNA, dude. They got your head. So, okay, <laughs> I'm going I'm, I'm to say something very honest. It goes through all instructors' minds, okay? One point or another. He teaches martial I teach on the I teach on the side, and the truth is nothing kills our soul more when you see somebody just not listening to you, wanting to do the thing their own way. Mike, like, look, I'm just trying. I want you to learn to get better, but you tell him do this. No, actually, I think this is better. Like, motherfucker, I'm telling you what to do, and you try to tell me you're doing it better. Like, oh gosh, go go and do whatever you want. I'm just afraid that you know, if I force my kids to do it, then they're like, they they. they they don't listen. Yeah, but you got to remember. But learning is a skill. They, kids have to go through that stage. Otherwise, they need to become better learners. And the only way to become better learners is by going through that stage where they want to, oh, I think, what you do it like this, right? You do it like this, right? No, 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 you don't do it like that. Years of self-correction and years of the feedback loop will make your kids better learners. And now, I'm not saying that that only applies to martial arts. That, yeah, that's, yeah. that's true of everything. But there is something that to be said about specifically the physical discipline yeah. and the physical feedback loop that uh, if you can do it physically, you can do it artistically and you can do it mentally, right? People that can come in and they can train in the gym and they learn how to deal with a coach, most likely if they're in a school, they will be able to handle that because it's not as rigorous, right? right? I mean, mental fatigue is also a thing. But if you can handle it under pressure in the gym when your teacher tells you to do something, you're like, this is fucking easy. It's that classic adage, right? Like wrestlers say this all the time. Once you've wrestled, everything else is easy. Yeah. And it's not totally true, but there's definitely a grain of truth to it because once you've gone through that grind, man, like everything else is easy by comparison once you've had that. But if you don't have that kind of physical... Uh, grind and that physical that feedback loop of doing something under pressure while exhausted that you know pressure right. makes diamonds right, right. right and kids are definitely going to fuck up and they're always going to think they know what to do and then over a year it doesn't happen quickly it could take six months yep. it can take years and years and years but a good coach will slowly hammer that into the kids so that they learn how to be good learners that is the most important skill in life is to be a good learner and uh, you need to have a wide skill set to be able to do it. Do a lot of shit. I guess you, you used to be a teacher again to bring back to... You used to teach in interna international school. Uh, but you've seen the, the, the local culture in Singapore. I, I guess on the other hand, I'm, I'm just... Uh, my other fear is I, I don't want to rob them of a childhood. I want them to have a good time. Oh, yeah. are, are you their friend or are you their papa? No, 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 no. I was just trying to make a Greta reference. Like, oh, Josh. <laughs> okay. it's, oh not, it's not funny when I, didn't I explain even watch, it. I didn't even watch that video. I just anyway, see all the memes. I as, don't even know. As you said, the, the, the kids here is like, packed with activities that like, totally packed, filled to the brim, you know. Yeah. It's, it's really tiring. Sometimes even I feel tired. Like, I always joke that on the weekend, I'm like a grab driver. I'm driving the kids up here, out down there, driving them everywhere. Yeah, when I was young, you just got told to go outside and play. Like, go find something to do. That was, that was what kids did back in the 80s and the 90s and shit. It was like, go outside and play. Yeah. That doesn't seem to be so, a thing anymore. So, I don't know. Maybe they were, they were like swimming. They were like basketball or something. Let's see, let's see how it goes. They're still young. Uh, yeah, that's true. They still, your kids are young as hell. They, they still have time. Six and four. And I think that will come out in them one uh, day, whether, I, I really whether they like it I or really not. see it a bit in both of them, but a bit more of the younger ones. Because so. they're quite physical, your boys. Yep. So, I mean, that's, listen, for controlling that. Learn how to play, learning how to win, learning how to lose, very important. Learning how to win and learning how to lose is probably the most. That and learning how to learn, being learning the skill of being a good learner, I think those are the three most important things every kid should learn. 
because I always see it. The first day the kids come in, they lose, they cry, they want to leave, they never want to come back. Right. The first thing you have to learn how to do is lose. And then when you start to get better, you have to learn how to win because then those same kids, as soon as they start winning, they'll start shit-talking. Right? They'll start being like, oh, you tapped to this. Oh, I got you in this. And I'm like, hey, be a good winner, be a good loser. And then through that process, again, that feedback loop, they also learn how to be good learners. And, I mean, listen, if you want a well-rounded kid that other kids want to play with that are socialized and they know how to behave around other people, if they know how to win with grace and they know how to lose with humility and then they learn how to learn, that is a well-adjusted, high-functioning kid that can succeed in today's society. Yeah, especially in this day and context. You know, you know everybody talks about don't be a sore loser, but rarely you hear anybody say, don't be a sore winner. Oh, sore it's, win- it's the worst. It's the worst sore it's winner. It's the worst. I have to tell kids face. all the time. No, don't be a sore winner. That's, that's horrible, you know? They'll, they'll laugh, I beat you, I beat you. Or I see this one all the time, like, you know, the kid will take the back, go for a choke or something, and then they know what they, that they won or whatever. They'll be like, coach, did I win? Coach, did I win? Coach, did I win? Because they're looking for me to validate w- what they saw. And I'll be like, yes, you won, but don't brag. Mm. You know, don't, don't be that, don't be a good winner. Don't, all of that shit. They'll just, they look for their instant, instant little guy. Did you see? Did you see? I did really good. I choked him. I choked <laughs> And I'm like, yes, I saw, but shh, shh, keep it to yourself. That's, that's what you want. You yep. want a kid who can win, but you know, doesn't fucking brag about it all the time because that shit's annoying, especially for kids. Yeah. Like when you see a shitty kid like that, that's who martial arts was made for because over time, they'll, they'll learn. And they quickly learn that nobody wants to play with them if, yep. they, if they act like that. And you see soul winners grow up to be, to be soul winner adults. You know? yeah. You've seen some, some adults like uh, doing well in life. Like, hey, look at this. Like the rubbing in everybody's face. Like, look, honestly, nobody cares, you know. Yeah, oh, you, you see him in martial arts too. Yeah, it, You'll see the guys that are good that have really tough time either A, dealing with defeat or, you know, you'll get people that are just like smug and shit. Like, yeah, look, everybody loves a winner but you don't have to be a dick about it, you know. Yeah. You, you haven't matched somebody that's better than you yet. There's always a bigger fish. Yeah. There's always a bigger fish out there. Otherwise, you, you're like a, a John Jones or a Floyd Mayweather and we, we all see how that, how that script is written. Well, as Rick James said, cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> John Jones. <laughs> yes, it is. And he, he's done plenty of that. Speaking of MMA, let's bring back the last, uh, the last point. We digress so far. Okay. Angela Lee and Panda, who you got? I'm going to go with Panda. I'm Panda with Panda again. too. You know what? I, I always... Listen, I, Matt Hume is the matchmaker for, for one championship. And I think he's a great he's a great coach. I think he's a great matchmaker. But I, I have a bit of an issue with one's matchmaking. Because they always do these, these rematches, right? I mean, Christian Lee, how many times is he going to fight Martin Nguyen? How many? They're thinking about doing another one. Really? Yep. Are they going to fight every six months until the end of time? Just until Christian wins. And then one time Christian wins, they're not going to ma- make that rematch ever again. And same thing with Angela Lee. Like, she lost that fight. She lost to Michelle Nicolini after that. Right. And uh, by the way, just as a little segue, Tiffany Teo, what the hell is going on with her? She beat Nicolini and then totally off the mat. Tiffany, if you're listening, I'll, send it, I'll tag you in this. I want to talk to you. Come on the podcast. I want to talk to you about that because she's one of those people that is just getting totally robbed. I mean, she beat Michelle. It was controversial and all that kind of stuff. But what the hell happened since then? There is some matchmaking issues. And I think this, uh, the panda and Angela Lee is one of them. Give Angela some time. Yep. This, this fight was six months ago. And she lost since then. Let her build her confidence. Let her work her skill set. Six months is not enough time to bridge the skill gap that was displayed in that fight. Yep, yep. I think if she had a year or two years, let it simmer. Let Angela get a couple wins. Let her give a couple years, for God's sake. She's like, what, 22, 23 to build a skill set. Because if she loses this fight, man, it's going to be tough. 
tough to justify a third one, but then again, they're doing it with Christian and Martin Nguyen talking yeah. about doing a third one. So Yeah, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, give her some time. If not, she can always become a doctor. Well, she's a great fighter, dude. <laughs> she's young. Same thing with Christian. Like, I'm not hating. I think I think they're excellent. They're they're two of the best prospects in the sport. There's no question about it. But the matchmaking sometimes, if you are not at Evolve, and this is just a fact, if Ooh, you are not dangerous, dangerous territory, it's not dangerous. I don't give a fuck. Nobody yeah. owns me. I, this is my podcast. Are you gonna get a letter from somebody? I don't know. A cease and desist from Chachi, maybe. Ooh, this I'm, is. I'm not involved in this conversation. Thank you very much. <laughs> Wait, come on. You you afraid? You afraid of the big bad wolf? Is that, is that what's going on here? No comments. <laughs> oh, God. Come on. Have a spine, Ron, you bitch. Come on. Listen, I'm not shitting on them at all. Yep, I'm, yep. I'm not. But uh, the matchmaking sometimes with the Evolve people gets a little crazy. And, uh, I mean, you see it just like this, right? Because, I, listen, Angela's still the champion. She, she deserves that chance. I just – and it's a tough fight. And, listen, this is the biggest – Respect to Christian because this fight with Daggy, he does not need to take, and that's a tough fight. I think he's going to lose that fight. Yeah, and anytime if you come from a country that end with a stun, <laughs> you're probably going to wreck eighty percent of the world. Yeah, this is the issue just with the evolved matchmaking. It has nothing to do with the fighters because the fighters, the, the Lees, say what you want about the matchups, they are willing to fight anyone because that Daggy fight is tough. They're really tough. That is a re- and he decided he didn't have to do that. He could have, someone else could have taken it. He could have fought someone else in the interim, maybe an easier yeah, fight. But that's big props and, to him. And Angela Lee lost to Panda, and she's going to take that fight again. She doesn't need to do that. Listen, there's a lot on the line. It's embarrassing to lose like that. Yep. And, and they're willing to step up, and they're young, man. Yep. Like, the, the, pros, the future is so bright for them. But at a certain point, if you're not at Evolve, some of these matchups that they get seem a little unfair. They've gotten a lot better since like five or six years ago. I mean, back in the day, some of the matchups were just ridiculous. I mean, you would see some of these Thai fighters, like Lumpini, multiple-time champions, fighting guys in Muay Thai fights and one that have no business even being in the same ring as them. And, I mean, the same thing can be true of a lot of fighters there. But the, the matchmaking is getting better. I just wish they would get these people more time to develop. I mean, that's, that's the thing for me. Uh, but they don't have easy fights, and it's not their fault. But you got to give big props to one. They got really good kickboxing in Muay Thai. Oh, one yeah. Oh, man. The fucking kickboxing Grand Prix. Go that they, Guys go there to bang, man. Shit. And the ties. They're bringing... What I love about one is especially the Muay Thai and the kickboxing. Because what they're doing is they're bringing the best in the world. Yep. I mean, they have the best kickboxing tournament since the Glory. Since the old Glory tournaments or the K1 Max. And then now uh, with the Muay Thai, they're bringing in the ties that nobody knows who are fucking world class. And they're finally getting exposure on the yeah, national yeah. stage outside of Thailand, which I think is huge for them. I, I, I think it boils down to the fact, you know, like in the one, it's the one super series. That, that's the kickboxing one, right? The super series. They bring a lot of uh, new talent and they're really building the talent up. Whereas in the MMA side, some of the guys big names but their prime was a couple of years ago so you bring them in bring name to the game but it doesn't bring any game you know like yeah. they're a bit older already maybe we are not i mean we're excited with the big names but well to be fair they're getting better right yeah, yeah, yeah i yeah. mean uh one example is they just signed john lineker and john lineker you know him he was in the ufc mm-hmm. really tough guy top top five in the the flyweight division so they brought him, young guy too, 27, yeah, 28, good, top yeah. five. I mean, because that's somebody that can challenge DJ, right? So listen, babe, they're growing. They have, they're to, growing, start, yeah. they have to start, start somewhere. somewhere yeah. They have to start somewhere. I mean, really the issue is that, that Chaudhry owns Evolve and he owns one. 
and yeah, he's yeah. trying to get his fighters good fights, and he also is obviously interested in his own gym. So there's no doubt a little bit of a conflict of interest there, but it's getting way better than it used to be because now they're bringing in world-class yep. guys. I mean, all across the board. But you'll still see these Speaking sort of Speaking of which, whatever happened to Roy McDonald, is he still in Bellator? Yeah, he's in Bellator. He's fighting Douglas Lima, I think, uh, maybe in a month or something. It was strange that UFC let him go, eh? Really strange. Mm. Really strange. I think he just wanted out. I don't, I don't know what the situation there was. But uh, he fought. He lost to Gegard Mousasi. Got beat pretty badly but then he beat douglas lima but gay guy's older right a lot i think no he was because he, he was young when he was fighting back in the day i think he's probably mid-30s but he beat roy mcdonald up yeah i mean finished him just outclassed him but wow. then after that he fought some gracie neiman neiman gracie i think he fought him for the title. no he's actually quite good it was a it was a scrap it was a scrap but roy won i, I don't watch a lot better though i don't watch a lot of ufc anyway There's actually uh, so Machi many fights now yeah you just can't keep up now machida's fighting um gegar Masasi, i think this weekend actually wow. okay yeah. so many fights even this one fight in japan is gonna be the whole day you wake up you go back to sleep and you wake up and you watch one again yeah how are we gonna do that i mean that's a big card though that's a really 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 big card um yeah, well, th I think what they're trying to do, Stephen told me this actually, is they're trying to set it so that it goes on during the U.S., during prime time. Right, right, right. So they're trying to, like, one will be for Japan, yep, and then yep. the late show is going to go on, like, late as fuck at night, so that way it lines up with prime time in the U.S., because apparently one's going to move to U.S. next year. Oh, really? And do, do like, the they're first shows bleacher, there. Bleacher, right? Are they on Bleacher to watch in the U.S.? Uh, you can't watch on YouTube? Or maybe YouTube, though. I don't know. I mean, I watch on YouTube, but I don't know. I don't know where they do them now. I watch it on one Super app. Hey, I want to win a free Tokyo trip. Oh, you watch it on the One app? Yeah. I watched some I watched some on there when I was in Malaysia. I love that, though. I love that they do it on YouTube. I love that they do it for It's for nice. Free. It's completely free. Yeah. The quality is getting so much better, dude. Yeah. It's just, it still makes people cringe a little bit, like, when you see an Evolve guy lose, and then they get rebooked in a better spot. That That is what makes everybody mad. Like, but sometimes, like, Petrosian, what do you think? Let's talk about this. The Georgia Petrosian fight when he fought Petch. What, do you, what did you think about, he lost that fight, there was some controversy, and then they just rebooked the fight, which a lot of people thought was bullshit, and then Petrosian won and yeah. advanced. Here's, here's what our old Thai coach, Kronoi, winner Muay Thai Pattaya, used to say, in fight, always have winner and loser. You, you win, you lose, doesn't matter, but must respect referee. So look, whatever it is, decision call, decision call. Do I agree with decision? I don't know, okay? I don't think it was fair, but... Happen, happen. You, you can't just go back in time and say, okay, no, yep. let's overturn the decision and let's call for another fight. Yeah. My, my opinion was, of course, that Pet should have advanced because he did bend the rules, but it's up to the referee to right. do that. The judges made their call. That should be it. If they want to rebook that fight, they rebook it after the finals. Yeah, and when things like that happen, it questions your referee and judging ability. Yeah. It's really very bad. Or even, uh, again, this is slightly different, but Eddie Alvarez lost. Yep. He lost in the first round to um, Timothy Natsyukin, and then, boom, right away, back in the tournament. Now, again, the, there's, uh, there's always a caveat here yeah. because it's not like it's just pure favoritism. Uh, Natsyukin got injured. Yeah. And again, they're trying to beat this deadline, but this is not. there's many examples of this. Christian Lee lost to Martin Nguyen twice. They're talking about rebooking that match again. How many times are we going to do this? I mean, I'm, I mean, just how many? Like, Christian would win a couple fights, lose a fight, win a couple fights, lose a fight. Every time he's rebooked in a title fight. Every time he's rebooked in a title fight. Not shitting on him, not his fault. He's doing the damn thing. And he ended up winning the championship. But, like, there is a, a favoritism there that at a certain point, 
It's controversial. Yeah, very controversial. I'm not going to get any sponsorships from Evolve <laughs> from yeah. this. That's for damn sure. Let's just see if you go back and watch the Christian Lee and Shinya fight. That's all I want to say. No, I don't, I, I don't think. Mm. I know what you're getting at. You're getting at that's a work. I, I, I disagree completely. Mm. And I, I'm not a fan of some of the Evolve shit, but I disagree completely. I thought... I thought that Again, arm bar was in deep. I thought that arm bar was in deep. He was trying to break the arm. I there was I will, no. I will respect the referee's decision. The, the arm bar was deep. But how about the arm bar that Shinya put on Christian Woo in the first round that he let go? He didn't let it go. Dude, that's what I'm saying. I, dude, listen, man. He was trying to break that arm. You can see the way he's moving the hip and he's trying to rotate the thumb around. I will expect the more from Shinya. Whatever, dude. That's, listen, Christian Lee's tough. No, I'm not taking, Christian's I'm tough, not, I'm not taking anything away, but... Well, I dis I disagree with that, but I think I think there's way too much to ride on. That. There's no I don't think there's any fixing other than you know the judging and like books saying something's a no contest. The issue with one is that there's no. I think Chachi came out and said that the board of directors right 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 said that uh, they're going to overrule that. The board of directors meaning Chachi, he's the only board of director. There's no there's no athletic commission that is a separate sanctioning right, right. body that will dictate whether a fight is overturned or not. It's up to a person. And I think that is a conflict of interest, plain and simple. But I think we're building to the point where right, that right. will be a thing. And I'm not saying this because I'm afraid, but the truth is, okay, look, even in boxing when there's like, like uh, councils, like hundreds of years of history, look, boxing referees make shitty decisions all the time. The ref, like, I think it was a Pacquiao fight that was like completely off the chart. You know what oh I mean? Oh yeah, Timothy Bradley when he fought Timothy Bradley. Yeah, but you see, they don't overturn the decision. Yeah, exactly. They don't overturn. And it, and it happens more than often not in boxing than anything else. I mean, I can't think of a single time, unless it was a PED. I can't think of a single time in the UFC they overturned a bad decision. Yep. And there's been plenty, right? There's been plenty, but I have never heard of that. I mean, th think about it if you're Petch, right? If you're in that kickboxing tournament, it's the biggest prize in the history of kickboxing, one million US. Imagine what a TIE fighter could do with one million U.S. dollar. And then because of some controversy that was not his fault. Yep, yep. Uh, again, the caveat is there was definitely some rule bending yep. going on. But that's not his fault. He deserved to advance in that for, tournament. For, for the viewers who are, who are listeners who did not watch the fight, it was a kickboxing fight. And you're not supposed to go out for a prolonged clinch in kickboxing. A short clinch and let go is fine, but he was constantly clinching and sweeping and all, all the other stuff. Catching, kick, yep. clinching, and uh, you're in kickboxing. You're not allowed to defensively clinch. Yep. It's against the rules. So I can throw a punching combination. I can step in, clinch you, couple strike, break the clinch. That's okay. But if you come in and attack me, I'm not allowed defensively to grab you, because that is clinching and that Muay Thai only, not kickboxing. Yep. And he was doing that, and it was a bit egregious, and he was getting warned, and he was eating the time. Yep. Over and over and over again. So there's no question that there was some fuckery there. But I don't think it's anybody's authority unless it's a separate sanctioning body to overturn a fight like that. I mean, I'm sure they paid Petch for the rematch. I'm sure, I'm sure. I'm sure they, I heard they gave him, you know, I don't know what, I'm not going to even say what I heard. But I heard they paid him pretty well, but it's not one million U.S. Well, That's for damn sure. Well, let's, uh, let's see how they do for this Japan show. And if we can wake up in time to watch the whole show then. Yeah, I'm going to watch it for sure. Actually, Steven and I broke it down in, uh, in one of the last podcasts. Yep. Is there any other interesting fights on there that you think, uh, so... We could talk a little bit about that. We got uh, Angela, Angela and Christian. I think Daggy's going to win that fight. I think that's going to be a tough fight for Christian oh, Lee. Let's, let's talk about uh, another fight that's happening in Singapore. Ben Askren and Damon Meyer. Oh, yes. Good call. UFC. Yeah, we haven't even the talked about UFC, that. The real UFC, not the fake UFC. Hey, yeah, hey, 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 the real yeah. UFC. 
So, yeah, you go first. What do you think about that? I have no idea. Yeah, you don't know? <laughs> I have no idea. You think it could be 50-50? Maybe. Look, okay. Ben was like... A, ben has always been a boring but a very good fighter in Bellator, okay? He, do, he don't fight to entertain, but he fight to win. But the last performance was like, wow, you can do that to Ben? So, it's hard to say. Some Sometimes when guys get knocked out once, everything changes, you know? Somehow the... The wires don't click anymore. Everything changed. Look at look at Anderson Silva. That yeah. when he, after he broke his leg, he was like not the yeah. old Anderson Silva anymore. And David Meyer is a long-time veteran, but I don't know whether it's age catching up. So I've really no idea. But do you think the the knockout loss to Jorge Masvidal will affect? You think, for example, it will make him punchy or something like that? I mean, that was a brutal. That, that was, was one of the most brutal knockouts ever. Yeah, he got he was stiff as a board. And the, the meme was that he got sent to another dimension by Rick and Morty. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. Dude, that Ray Rod guy. Man, that Ray Rod guy. His fucking memes and his he got, videos. He got sent to Fartland and Oh, Brett. my God. His fucking <laughs> shit is so good. That Did you see the one, the Deontay Wilder <laughs> knockout of Dominic Brazil? The, the soul the, fight. <laughs> the gauntlet. No, that was... Uh, that was, was uh, the boxing uh, one, right? Yeah, that was... Uh, what's his name? Andy Ruiz. Uh, no, Deontay Wilder was the infinity I mean, gauntlet. Saying, where he uh, hit him with that. And then there was the really good one, um, Douglas Lima, when he fought MVP. Did you wow. see the Thoris hammer where he fucking hammer fisted him on the ground? Oh, I said, I if you guys haven't seen, check out Ray Rod. I think it's Ray Rod 747 on Instagram. He's got some of the best fucking Instagram video memes about MMA fights ever. But uh, some good shit there. Yeah, and and Damien Meyer is a grappler. Legit black belt. Uh, ben Ashkins is a wrestler. So, I don't know. How will you go? Well, I think if we're going to break it down... More, more intently, I would say that Damian Maia is a better striker. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I would say that the question is, can Askren take Maya down? Which I think the answer is yes. And then can he keep him down? Can he? No, I think I don't think that's an issue. I think Maya will happily play jujitsu. Is can he avoid submissions while doing enough damage to get out a decision win? Well, but Ben is a black belt too. Well, I mean, for sure, his grappling would feel like a black belt. There's no doubt, but. Maya's got the submission threat. There's no way that Ben Askren is submitting Damian Maya. And I don't think he's a good enough ground and pound to finish him with that. And I don't think he's good enough to finish him on the feet. I think, I think Maya wins the fight, honestly. But there's a good chance that uh, Ben Askren could hump his leg to death and then. Yeah, it's a fight you know. game. It's a fight game. So let's see how it goes. I wouldn't know until it's over because they're not showing it on Singapore TV, though. Are we going to go? Are we are going to go to the fight? Well, if somebody gives us tickets, why not? We'll just see. Just. Pay for your ticket like everyone else. You're so cheap. I don't have money for that. You're so cheap. I don't have money for that. I got, I got kids. You take them. Let them get a little bloodlust. That's what they need. Let them get a little itch, a little I, something, I, something. How about the other fights? Any, any other good fights on UFC card? Um, well, there was a fight this morning, but I mean, it was kind of. No, I mean for the Singapore fight. Oh, I don't know. I don't even know what else is on there. Right. I, that's, I mean, that's the big main event. I don't know. Is there anybody here from here fighting? Take all the Singaporean. I know, I know, I, but is it Gary Tang got a UFC scholarship? Do you see that? Yeah, I saw that. Big up to you, Gary Tang. Yeah, for uh, was it some kind of like invite? Is that invited to train at the UFC Performance Institute or something I think like that? China or something? I'm not sure. I've really no idea. Yeah, I think basically what it works is like they will pay for your your training at a UFC gym or UFC PI or something like that. Yep. But that's cool. I mean, they're starting to invest everywhere. You're starting to see these Chinese fighters. What about uh, Zhang Wei Li? Yeah, she just won the won the championship. First Chinese, you don't even know. You fucking <laughs> asshole. You're so out of the loop. How are you expected I mean, to be <laughs> the authority on martial arts I've if never you don't even know your own people winning championships in the UFC? These are your people. 
I only briefly saw a bit. You think I'm not gonna know if a white person wins a championship, Ron? White people win all the time. That's why it's called white privilege, you asshole. <laughs> oh God. Okay, so a Chinese fighter wins, and you don't even you don't even know. Where's your support? There's a couple of million people in China. I can't keep up. Billion people. Billion. A couple billion people in China. I can't. I know. There's really too many fights now. Like every other week, there's like a UFC, UFC fight night, and then there's one, and all these other shows. There's just too many fights. I really can't keep Did up. Did you watch the SFC last night? Yeah, I watched. Just yeah. yeah it's uh, it's interesting, right? Because I mean, I'm glad Arvin's doing that. So we just roll back on that a little bit, and we'll probably finish up at this point. I think we're about an hour and a half in. Yeah. Um, so I went. I went last night. I was judging. And uh, I've been a referee and a judge and a fighter. Ron was also a fighter for them. And I'm really glad that they're, they're putting on these shows. But I really think that they need... I mean, first of all, the venue's amazing. That's an, the venue's, nice it's even better than it used to be. Because they have all of the... They have the big screens. Yeah, they put a all, screen. And, yeah, it looks, man, it looks really good this time. It looks really good. Actually, the guy that... Uh, was doing some of the commentary and was doing the announcer is a guy that I used to work with briefly. I worked in clinch Matt. Uh, I worked for like two weeks with him at clinch in Malaysia. And then he moved here and started teaching a juggernaut, but he was a really good announcer. Uh, I don't know about the commentary, but I know that he was a really good announcer and I know he's a pretty good trainer. And I know that, uh, the venue was fucking awesome. You would just like to see a little bit more competitive fights. This is the issue with like regional MMA though, or regional martial arts in general, is there tends to be quite a large skill disparity. For example, I was a judge for the first four fights, and I don't think a single fight went past like four minutes. So, which is kind of cool because people want to see finishes and stuff like that, but you just would have liked to have seen a little bit more of a competitive vibe. Later on, when they started doing the boxing, those, yep, fi no. those fights were quite competitive. They were back and forth. You could see the technique level, especially the smaller. Did you watch the. I think they were the flyweights or something. I think, yeah, so the really lightweight guys. Those guys were good, man. They were throwing hard. The boxing matches were excellent. Uh, the MMA, I think the skill disparity was quite high. And I don't know why they don't book Singaporean fighters against Singaporean fighters. I think it's hard to find like, like MMA fighters in Singapore. Because Dude, there's literally hundreds yeah, of but people MMA, training. MMA is such a... You can get better at striking. You can get better at grappling. You put time in it. But it's very hard to get better MMA if you put the same amount of time compared to both because there's so many things to learn. Yeah. And uh, okay, can you train MMA for lifestyle? Of course you can. But MMA is like, how, how should I say it? It's very hard to do a lifestyle MMA because at the end of the day, it's a combat sport. Mm -hmm. Like any sport, you just need to find that one or two things that you do well and you just keep doing it. And if you don't have a base, it's very hard to learn. I can't show you the advanced stuff if you don't have the basics. But if I keep showing you the basics, you get bored and you won't be able to move to the advanced stuff. Yeah. So it's, it, as I always say, if you put the same amount of time, pure striker, pure grappler and an MMA person, the first two will, will do a lot better than the MMA person in the same time span because MMA is so much thing for you to learn. Yeah, it's so vast. Right? There's just so many skill sets to learn. And we were kind of talking earlier, the striking in Asia is really, really developed. I mean, the boxing, the, the Muay Thai. Yep, I, yep. Mean, I mean, look, Manny Pacquiao's from the Philippines, right? You got Team Lakai. They're great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're well-rounded. They're snipers on the feet. They're starting to get pretty good wrestling. Obviously, you have the Muay Thai and the Muay Baran and the left way. And, like, the striking in Asia is really, really advanced. The jiu-jitsu is starting to get there. You see great jiu-jitsu from Japanese fighters. You see great jiu-jitsu in Singapore. Uh, but you really see a big hole in the wrestling. Yeah, and the Koreans got very good jiu-jitsu guys. Yeah, too. really good jiu-jitsu, really good jiu-jitsu. And they have a great striking base too, because Taekwondo, right? Yeah. So the striking is really, really developed here. But at least in terms of the whole MMA pie, you, you tend to see the wrestling being the, the weak spot. Yep, and, uh, unless if you go to like, like Mongolia or China, or, uh, 
uh, Korean got very strong wrestlers too, I guess. Yeah, and good good judo and yeah, stuff yeah, too. Yeah. But I mean specifically the MMA. Because yeah, 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 yeah. a lot of those guys, like if you go to Mongolia, for sure, you, they'll have really good wrestlers. But then again, you don't really, Mongolia is not known for their striking. Yep. Same thing if you go to like the Middle East, if you go to Iran, or if you go to Kazakhstan or something like that. These are some of the best wrestlers yeah, in the world. Look at, look at Dagi, look at Khabib. Like, oh, they're, they're yeah, but that's Russia. That, those are the Sambo guys. They, they've got a good base. They've yeah, got but, a good base. But what... I'm not saying all of them, but what they lack in certain striking skill, they make it up for toughness. <laughs> yeah. What did you think about that Khabib fight with Poirier? Uh, it was... I didn't watch it. You didn't watch it? I didn't watch it. You, you think anybody's got... Uh, anybody can beat Khabib? Tony Ferguson? No, nothing? It's going to be tough, man. They say he's only going to do two more. They say maybe Tony Ferguson and GSP? Sometimes... I, I'm, I'm a believer of who is hungry, who wants it more. You can't fight that kind of crazy, right? Yeah, like, this yeah. is the who's, issue who's with Khabib. Hungry, yeah. yeah, I mean, the thing with Khabib and like the Diaz brother, but the, Tony Ferguson's that kind of crazy, though. Yep, yep. This is one of the things that makes that matchup so intriguing. Like, listen, man, if you're, this is why these Dagestan fighters are so good. Like, if you're from that part of the world that's so intense and so hardcore, and there's just poverty and all those people are fighting i mean this goes back to american boxers in the turn of the century yep. right like when you grow up in poverty around that and fighting is your only way out there's a level of motivation that you can't get in singapore yep yep right i mean just plain and simple there's a level you can't there's a level of desperation that will make those people fight and train harder than you can possibly think and that's imagine it's, it's the same in south asia with the kickboxers in thailand or cambodia yeah, the ties right or the yeah uh, people from cambodia and uh, i think that's the case with khabib but Tony Ferguson is that kind of crazy. I mean, that guy is literally out of his fucking mind. And I think if you get him in a fight with Khabib, the, that would just be two unstoppable, chaotic forces colliding, and then you just don't know how. A bit like the Diaz brothers, yeah. right? You can beat them, but you're not going to like win the war. You might yeah. win the battle. You might beat them in the fight. Yeah. But at the end of the fight, they're going to flip you off and talk yeah, shit. They're going to like, bring, bring you to the deep end of the pool. The yeah. deep, deep end of and the pool. And they are not going to quit ever. And I think that's a similar situation with Khabib. And uh, he's just got a skill set that nobody's ever seen before. Well, it's a fight game, so there's only one way to find out. The yeah. only real winners are the fans. You think, uh, totally. You think GSP can beat him? You don't think GSP can beat Khabib? Not this GSP now. Yeah, that's true. What is he now, 38? Something like that? Late uh, 30s? People, people always have this idea that, man, he's the greatest all the time. He's a, look, in, when all else equal... Age will, will, will really affect you a lot. You, know? you recover fun. slower. Your mm. strength, force generation is every, it's, it's, it's very hard as you grow older to do the same thing when you're young. You know? Yeah, well, you see that even with like uh, Daniel Cormier. Yeah. I mean, he looked pretty, he looked good in that fight, but then it looked like the cardio failed him there in the fourth round. He was getting hit with those body shots, and then the gas tank started to go from the body shots, and then, you know, he just didn't, you never seen Cormier tired. I mean, because he's just a grinder, and he was always in really, really good shape. But uh, you see, age can catch up with everybody. Yeah, even f even if physically you're fit, mentally sometimes you just start to feel a bit more frail. Like, oh, what if I get injured? And like, I don't know. That's why I feel like, especially when you go older, or maybe because I have a uh, family. Do you feel it? You're getting a little older. You're not yeah. old yet, but do you feel a difference in your all the time after training? Yeah, all the time. Is it recovery or is it like explosiveness? You feel like you're less explosive. Take longer to recover. I haven't trained much, but I would say like even when I do normal workout, recovery recovery is harder part. Like, even mentally, I just feel a bit more afraid. Uh. Are you sore after your runs, when you do your long runs? Surprisingly, not very. You know? Really? So far, but I don't, I don't push myself very hard. But dude, you ran like 100 kilometers in a fucking month or some shit. I spread over so many days. Uh, yeah, I'm but not how many are you running at once? Sometimes five, sometimes ten, sometimes eight. Depends that's, on the mood. That's pretty good. 
because you're not a runner. Like you, you, you just periodically decide to run and then you stop and then you run. And then, I mean, if you're a regular runner and that's your thing, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like that. That's probably not that much to run, but if you're just like cold Turkey jumping out, I'm going to go run 10 kilometers. That's not easy. (laughs) Yeah. I wouldn't be able to walk for days if I did that. I think it takes, it takes time, I guess. Yes. So I'm I'm not particularly sore, but actually the, the, the one that worries me the most when I go running is the, before I go for a run the whole day, I'll be like, oh man, do I want to do it? Do I want to do it? Yeah. The, the self-doubt in my mind, like, no, I don't want to do it. Let's do it tomorrow. Right? Yeah, the conversation with your inner bitch. Yeah, that's the worst right? part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you always have that. I try to tell everybody, like, everybody thinks that training, because training is hard. Training is hard for me. Training is hard for you. Like, I don't care when people step on these mats. I don't care who you are. You're going to have a tough workout ahead of you. And people think that, like, you're special or I'm special or we're different because we've been doing this for so long that, like, Oh, I can't, I can't come in. I don't feel like coming in today. You guys don't understand. You just don't understand. I, I have to work. I have the kids. I have to do this. I have to do this. And I'm like, listen, more often than not, I dread coming in to train. More often than not. Yep. There's some days where I walk in the door and I'm feeling good, but they're few and far in between. Most of the time, I'm trying to rationalize and negotiate my way out of training. Until I made it my career. Until I made it my job. Which is why I made it my job. When I was a teacher and I would have to go to training, I said the same thing. Like I would go to work at eight, I would finish at four, and then I'd have to, back then I was training at Evolve, I would have to go all the way downtown, hour bus to go train for an hour, get fucked up, and then hour long train, and then I'm holding them nine o'clock, and then I'm like, fuck. And I would just have this, I would make excuses. Right. And I'd be, have this conversation with my inner bitch. Oh, I don't want to go today, I'm tired. Oh, this was really hard, I had to do this thing. And most of my training sessions were like that. When I finally decided to do this as a career, I was like, okay, this is the only way I know I'm going to commit to this. I have to be all in. Otherwise, my inner bitch is going to win, <laughs> right? Otherwise, I'm going to lose that fight. And then when I made it my career, habit started to take over. And then I was training every day. And then now I don't think about it so much because mm-hmm. it's habitual. But most of what I was doing in the early stages, 80% of the time, I'm a bitch. I'm like, I don't want to do this today. I want to do this. I want to go hang out with my friend. I want to do that. Everybody goes through that. Yeah, all the time. It's but most one, of the time. But once you do it, you feel a lot better about that's, yourself. That's the secret. You live for that moment after the training where you're like, relief. And you're just like, oh, I feel so much better. Thank God I did it. You live for that. If you live for that moment, then you know you can get in pretty good shape and be pretty yeah, fit. Go ahead and train everybody. Find yourself something to do. Swim, basketball, cycle, run. Just train everybody. Yeah, come train, guys. Come train with me. Come train with me. Let me know you found out about Stronghold on the podcast, and I'll give you a discount. Come so train, you're baby. Saying, you're saying that my kids can train for free here? Uh, I said discount, asshole. This ain't fucking charity. Why? why you, can't, said, you can't afford it? I said, I said Don't discount. Be cheap. Don't be cheap, You think man. because you're kids, you get a fucking special treatment? Of course. Jesus Christ, you should pay me more. For what? The privilege of me teaching your kids. Well, I'm sure I can find somebody else, though. Oh, God. If you trust other people with your children, then go ahead. <laughs> you want to go trust uh, some Brazilian? You want to go trust some, some rando that they bring in that doesn't speak much English? Maybe some Thai, some drunk Thai. I heard there's a pretty good brown belt in UFC, you know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> on that note, Ron, that was a perfect way to tie it up. Brother, thank you for the shit talk. Thank you. Thank you very much. I we'll appreciate you. Do a drunk one soon? Yes, we'll do a drunk one sometime in the next month. I promise everybody a drunk Ron podcast because that is going to be even more glorious than this one. Ron was pretty reserved and constrained today, so... 
We'll give them a little time to get a couple beers in, live his good life, and then we'll do a, a drunk one. Okay, then. Okay. Thank you, guys, everybody. This is Stronghold Podcast, episode five. It's in the books. If you like the podcast, please like, subscribe, share that shit. I really, really appreciate it. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, just uh, shoot me an email, message the chat. Thank you so much, Ron. You guys can find me on social media, Lucas Leisure on Instagram, on Facebook. My brother. Good. Glad we Thank finally you. did it. Cheers, See you guys, guys soon. Ski, ski. Thank you, everybody. Skeet. <laughs>